Hello, a Croiso e Who Can Convince You podcast. Tini and Luke, how are you doing? Hey, we deeply know. Oh, die down. Aye. Sit oi tea, have you? Yeah, the old hutty. Aye. Tish, I can like. Piss off. I don't want to do that anymore. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm alright. How are you? Yeah, I'm alright. You don't seem very happy. Why would you bring that up? Are you happy? Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. Would you, would you like a quiz? Yeah, I think that'll cheer me up. Let's do a quiz. Everybody get your pens and papers and pencils and rubbers. crayons, rubbers. Actually, no, because you can... That's, yeah, that'd be cheating. <laughs> anyway, quiz time. quiz is on Doctor Who memorabilia. Same as last week. Exactly the same as the week before that, yeah. So, four items, price order, highest to lowest. Are you ready? Yeah. Item A is a John Pertwee and Roger Delgado autograph sheet. Pennies. That's how it's advertised as. Pennies. Item two has six Corgi die-cast figures. Corgi? It's a brand. (laughs) (laughs) Item C. When from? Uh, Early 2000s. Oh. Oh, we took this new who? No. Classic who figures? Yes. Corgi? Yes. Die-cast. What size? Like that. I'll... (laughs) Like twelve centimeters, yeah, ish, something like that. Pennies. Item C is a Weetabix Dalek figure. If you know what I mean, figure. A figure made of when, Weetabix. When you, yes, life-size really? Dalek made. No, oh. the Weetabix cards, yeah. but the Dalek one, just one Dalek one. Oh, okay. There's an auction going on at the moment. There is near, a, near us. Why tell people that when we were gonna bid? When we might be bidding on it. Now we're going to lose out now, thanks to you. No, they don't know where we are. Well, they know we're in Wales because we started in Welsh. Yeah, we we might not be in like Wales, Wales. might be on that island where they speak Welsh. Or that place in America where they speak Welsh. What island that speaks Welsh? There is an island. Oh, in South America? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, item C is a two... Dalek cufflinks from 2005. Gold Dalek cufflinks. Is it gold or is it? It's like, not gold. Yeah, though, you know what I mean. So, item one again: John Pertwee and Roger Delgado autograph, six Corgi diecast classic Who figures. Item C: Weetabix Dalek cutout thing. Uh, item D is a, a Dalek cufflinks gold from two thousand five. Price highest to lowest. Daleks gold cufflinks are the lowest. Okay. Because I reckon no one bought them. So, like, why would you buy them? In what scenario would you buy those cufflinks and think, yeah, that will look good tonight with them on? <laughs> Go to a wedding with them on. It's not going to happen, is it? Apart from if it's like a convention. But, I sp- yeah, if you're going as a snappy dresser to a convention and you just want to put those cufflinks on, 
but be the cool cat. Yeah. Um, because you couldn't cosplay as the doctor with them on. Because why are you wearing Dalek cufflinks? Well, how much do you reckon they are? Pennies. Okay. Moving on. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon like twenty-five quid. Okay. They're annoyingly steep when they're not actually just not a bit too much. Yeah. Than pay. It should be worth like ten, mm. if that. What? Was twenty-five? I reckon. Nice. So that's first. Okay. As in. Lowest. Lowest. So you're doing it lowest to highest. Yeah. Right, okay. Next, I reckon it's the figures. The corgi ones? Yeah. Okay. I reckon they're going for like 80 quid. Okay. 90. 100. Okay. okay. 110. I'm going for 110. The one Weetabix card of the Dalek, an annoying 120. Okay. Just because I think everyone wants the Dalek one. Mm-hmm. And that's it, really. What were the Weetabix cards? Just like they came on the back of the Weetabix box. Oh, so yeah. it's a little piece of cardboard. Yes. That's shit, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's not shit, I'd love them, but... Right, go on. Next. And then finally the autograph. Okay. I reckon that's a good 230, Bob. Okay, so you're going to go Autograph, yep. Weetabix, mm. Corgi Diecast, yeah. Dalek Cufflinks. Although I do want to swap around the Weetabix and the Corgi Diecast, but I'm not going to. Okay. You you were nearly right. Is it the Corgi Diecast? First place at £250 is the John Pertwee and Roger Delgado Autograph. I said it was £250, didn't you I? You did. No, you said two thirty. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but 250. with postage, probably two fifty. Aye. In second place, at fifty-eight pounds fifty, are the six Corgi diecast figures. Fifty-eight. Fifty-eight fifty. In third place, at nineteen pounds ninety-nine, no. the Dalek cufflinks. No, Weetabix one's lowest. In fourth place, at four pounds fifty. One Weetabix Dalek figure. When from? Late 70s. Really? Yeah. I would have thought so. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know. I I didn't win. You didn't win. Did you win at home? Good. Ah, (laughs) well done. Well, that was your quiz. Did you enjoy your quiz? Mmm. Well, we've got a very special guest joining us this, 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 this week, haven't we? I like the quiz. Good. Well, we've got a very special guest joining us this week, haven't we, Luke? Joining you. Joining me. Not me. We've got a I've very got special guest this week joining me, haven't we, Luke? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Yes, mm. we do. Yes, we did. Well, that's all to come later. But first... Do you ever think what it would be like to listen to the po- this podcast? I do listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Not out of choice. (laughs) It's dire, isn't it? So that's why your ears bleed often. Yeah. Anyway, right, let's get this over with.
knew who first this time. What episode are we looking at? Oh, I don't. I can't be asked. It was shit. <laughs> it was though, wasn't it? Well, come on, give us right, a, give sorry. us a bit of context. So, the episode I chose for this week was a story called Oxygen, and it was in season ten of New Who, episode five. And it aired on the 13th of May, 2017. And I'm just stalling because I really didn't like it. Okay. Um, we got writer Jamie Matheson. Mm-hmm. Yes. We got Charles Palmer for the director. We have. Nikki Wilson as the producer. Yes. And nice old, good old Maury Gold as the music music person. All right. And... Uh, it's like a little snop sigh. Snop for me. Snop. The twelfth doctor, Bill, uh Nardoil. No. What is it? Nardole. Nardoil. I'm gonna say Nardoil. Doyle. <laughs> the twelfth doctor, Bill and Nardole or Doyle, investigate a strange space station, but are interrupted by walking dead in spacesuits. Will they make it out alive? And how much does air actually cost? Mm. What were your initial thoughts uh, then? Tame. tame. Lackluster. Um, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, I thought it was great. No. Yeah. Is this the first where I think New Who episode shit and you think it's good? You think all... Uh, no. Why? What was the other one? I don't know. But I don't think it is. The I first reckon. Time. I reckon it is. Maybe. I don't. I don't think it's all good. I think it's mostly good. I think it's mostly shit. But there are some good things. What What did you like about this? Uh, I thought it was visually stunning. Yeah. I thought. Uh, <laughs> I thought Capaldi was excellent. Okay. I thought that um, Bill Potts is good. Hmm. I like the premise of the plot. It's a good start, isn't it? It's the start is excellent. Yeah, I was really excited. Um I thought it was going to be a bit family values at first. It was. But the fact they die makes up for it. They don't. Well, they're not they're not dead, are they? But they're dead, sort of dead. Who? The woman. No, she never died. Well, she is dead, isn't she, really? No, she never died. Oh. Bill? No. Oh. At the start. Oh, yeah. Shall I say what I thought? Yes. Um, I thought it was pretty shite. Um, I've seen lots of New Who episodes do it much better. This kind of... What did they call it? The producers called it something. This kind is of it episode. Base Under Siege? Yeah, that's it. It's not really, though, is it? That's what they said. But it is. That's what the producer said. Oh, right. Um... I just thought it was crap. Mind rot. Mind rot. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, it did nothing outstanding at all. I hate the characters of what little there is. <laughs> um, I thought the Doctor was rubbish to watch. Um, I, I thought it was crap. Really? Yeah, I thought it was proper crap. <laughs> well, let's break it down a little bit then before we cut it. <laughs> Characters in space are doing stuff outside. Then just before they go back inside, some zombies kill them. They're not zombies, but dead people in space suits and the suits are controlling them, but anyway. 
The doctor is lecturing in a uni, then they respond to a distress call in space, which is the doctor's theme tune. Mm. Once at the space station, they discover a dead person standing upright in a suit and decide to investigate. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's go balls deep. Let's go right in there. Can we talk about Lucas? The Matt Lucas in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Go on then. Let's get it over and done with. Uh, I didn't know he was in it for a whole series and a half. That's yes. scary, isn't it? Mm. Um, I don't know what his character is. I don't know if he's an alien. He says he he changed his face at some point. He's just yeah, he's a robot, I think. Who is he? I think that's what Nardole is. Nardole was is something to do with River Song. Right. You don't like River Song, do you? I don't particularly like River Song. I just don't like the idea of it. Not that it doesn't it doesn't do anything. I just it doesn't interest me. I like River Song. Do you? It's not like the A tier or S tier storyline that runs through Doctor Who but I quite like it I like how it's a constant and she crops back Mm. it's very confusing though I don't really because she River Song travels backwards as the Doctor travels forwards and I I don't I don't know I I don't really understand where I didn't take any notice of it when it was happening really just because I didn't I wasn't interested right but any but Matt Lucas yeah Nardole yeah I've got to stay I've Gotta state straight away, Matt Lucas proper creeps me out. <laughs> he's a creepy man. Well, he's not. He's not a creepy he's man. He's a creepy he? man. I, there's just something about him that I just I can't I can't watch him because he just makes me feel a bit ill. Um, but he's not a creepy man. He's not a creepy man. He just makes me feel ill. He just makes me feel. I I just don't think he can act. No. I don't, And to be fair, I don't think I've found him funny in anything. Would you like to know? What Stephen Moffat had to say about him. Go on. He said that Peter Capaldi comes from a serious role and tries to act comedy, oh. where Matt Lucas tries to. It comes from a comedic role and is trying to do serious. Right. It just goes to show it doesn't work. No. So. I yeah I don't I don't find Matt Lucas funny to be honest. I the only thing I think I've ever found him funny in was when he was when he was in Shooting Stars with Vic and Bob. But uh, oh, I think I know that he yeah. was. Um, he was only like a you know one of those sideline guest yeah, yeah, yeah. characters, the other yeah. reoccurring ones that come out now and again. That's the one. Yeah, um, he plays different characters as well, didn't he? Mm. I remember now. He never spoke. You know, really. he does. He he sings and stuff as well. I just I just can't bear him. I th- I think I remember now. He it just re- he creeps me out. He doesn't sweat as well. That's what he, he doesn't, doesn't sweat. Yeah. <laughs> Do you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. Have you noticed, did you notice the bit in the story when he breathes inside his helmet? And wipes and the wipes outside. Out. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, his dialogue pisses me off. It's awful. He's always banging on about that vault. I don't know what the vault is, but... Do you want to know what the vault is? No, thank you. Okay. I want to keep the hush-hush for now. Is it, I mean, is it a shit storyline? It's not as exciting as you'd think it would be. Well, I'm guessing, because... I'm guessing there's a glaring plot hole in this about the vault. Like why are they leaving if they don't have to? Well, yeah, it completely contradicts. Like you cannot go anywhere yeah, because the vault yeah, needs guarding. But all right, then. And not for anything major. It's just like a little space station. <sighs> yeah, it's not. But the thing is, it's time travel, isn't it? So surely they could get back to like a second after they leave the vault. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if they leave at 
Ten I, past I ten. don't know how the vault works, so I can't comment. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of Nadal? Now, I don't have any hatred towards him. I don't have hatred towards no. him. I just don't like Matt Lucas. I honestly think all the companions. I'm on. I'm. A, let me put it this way. All right. Go on, put it. I have just watched the episode where Amy Pond goes away. Finally. And now I no I watched Snowmen mm-hmm. with Rich D Grant. I love him. And now I'm on to one episode where Clara comes in at full force. Mm. And we have her for like three seasons. She's in for a while. And um, I'm honestly dreading the approaching apocalypse that's coming with those shitty companions. I think they're crap. I like Bill. I do like Bill. I don't like Bill. She's got an awful end. I don't know. I I don't want to know. Am I glad? Maybe. I think she's crap. (laughs) She's got a great Cyborn story as well. Is she? Brilliant. I just don't like Bill. Oh, Oh, well, yeah. Each to their own. Why do you like Bill? Uh, I just like the character. Nice. <laughs> I think she. I think she acts like in a. She's not. She's not a great actress. She has a moment. She has this. a moment. Two. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, not that she's not a great actress. I just think she acts in a way that you would CB. if you were taking. No, it's not CBC. <laughs> not CBC. But her. The bit that convinces me with her is that she acts realistically when they're not on Earth. That's weird. What do you mean? She acts realistically when she's off Earth. Yeah, as you would act, as you would be when you were on Earth or when you meet a monster. Yeah. Like her, her fear is feels real. Yeah. Yeah, there was a scene where the Doctor has to leave her and says, yeah, right, yeah, you're yeah. going to have to stand there now, you're just going to have to die. Yeah. And she's like, tell me a joke. And she's tearing up and stuff. I thought that yeah. was good. Yeah. I think the first instance where I know it's like, oh, I'm not a fan, is when the uh, when they first get on the space station and the Doctor already, like, pushed out the radius of, like, the atmosphere of the near the TARDIS so they can have a uh, walk oh, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, a door opens and he can hear some stuff knocking in there and he's like, he wants to investigate. Uh, I think if probably most of the companions... That we had in New Who would have said, "What's that? Should we go investigate?" Where well, those two are like, "Let's just go back to the TARDIS." Mm. Now it's kind of like Perry because she used to do that, mm. but Perry, I felt like had a justified reason for it in all two. But these were just like just moaning. I just want to go now. What does he care? He just wants you know the vault or something. He, I don't give a goes shit about on that. On and on and on about that vault. They're, but they just want to go. For the sake of just going. What the fuck is the point in you being in the TARDIS if you don't want to get yourself in any danger? And Clara, bless her little cotton socks, she's there, right? She loves the danger. She loves it. I just don't like them. I I think it would have been... It would be a better TARDIS team if it was just Bill with the 12th Doctor rather than Nardole. I don't... I I think TARDIS teams are too crowded a lot of the time. And this is crowded by Matt Lucas's ego. Acting ego, sorry. You think? Yeah, it's just he's a big, he's a big lad, isn't he? Presence, he's a big lad. <laughs> he's got a lot of presence, hasn't he? 
you know, when he's on the screen, and I think because he's such a well-known face over here, I don't, th- I, I assume that overseas he's not. Mm. Like um, Americans wouldn't yeah. know who he is. I wouldn't have thought. Because really, what is it? Little Britain, and that's it. USA. Is he in Little Britain, USA? Yeah. But is that was that just shown here, or was that like I don't know. the Office, US? I imagine it's just over here. But either way, he's not a household name, is he? Just both of them just makes me think, right, they're not proper TARDIS. I thought they would, like, his Capaldi's companion's gone in the previous episode somewhere, and he's mm. just picking up these guys in this episode. They'll do. I, you know, side characters that are only in it for a few stories, but they're actually the companions, aren't they? Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. I don't think they suit Capaldi at all. Maybe someone else. I think Capaldi they don't suit him. could have done with... A more well, Capaldi is very Pertwee, I'd say, like just the, even from the, just the way he looks. So mm. I think he needs a female assistant like Joe. Yeah, I think so. Probably or Sarah Jane. You know, sort of they're inquisitive. Clara, probably yeah, Clara. So I like that relationship they have. They yeah, they are quite nice together. Yeah, Capaldi says at one point. Like maybe I get tired of carrying pesky humans around and all the feeling. And he's talking to Nardoyle. Nardole. Nardole. Doyle. Like, what what's the point then? If you don't want them there. If you don't want her there. It's just a horrible feeling. I don't really it feels very forced to me, their relationship. I need to watch more episodes because watching more Matt Smith episodes, a load of stuff I said about last hmm. the la- last Matt Smith episode I watched. A lot of it was uh, fixed. Well, you're, ca- you're catching up now, aren't you? I am catching up. Where yeah. this is, yeah. So, how far? What season are you on now? Uh, s- seven. Oh right. And yeah, well, my- Clara's just come into it properly. I think. So you got eight, nine, and then you're here. Yeah. Hmm. Hey. Hey. Um, I think the start's great. I think the out the, the start's ex- great. The exterior shot from the that was very Welsh, wasn't it? The exterior shot from the outside of the space station is great. It's lovely. It's great. You see, the, they took inspiration from gravity and stuff like that. After gravity, the film, you know, gravity. Everything upped its space game, didn't it, I think? Yeah, Ad Astra, mm. Interstellar. Aye. Oh, we had lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Uh, the Martian. Mm. Load yeah. of, it's the, it's that was shite. After that, but yeah, it yeah, was yeah. shite. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. So you can see where they got the inspiration, but I thought they nailed it. Mm. Little details, you know, it's little, little rocks mm. in the space just floating around. Lovely. It's great. And then she gets attacked, doesn't she? At the mm. beginning. Then a helmet floats on by. The yeah. shadows. and lovely. Oh, it's lovely. It is great. This is going to be a real treat for me. Mm. Like, how good. It looks great the whole way through. Visually stunning. Visually stunning. Visually um, stunning. I think the... Biggest improvement from like season, you know, five and six and seven is like the props are up there with the camera now, mm. and the locations are up there. You know, yeah, because the especially like uh, what is it, Planet of the Dead that we've done? Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, but everything it is shooting looks terrible. Like um, the goblet, the gold yeah. goblet. Oh, it looks shit. Like, oh, we can get it. No, it's SD. It's fine. Yeah, but the We're, thing is. You could get a cheap goblet, couldn't you? There must yeah. be one in the props department that doesn't look like that. I got one from an arcade once, and it looks real. Brilliant. 
looks might be. Real. Have you ever have you taken it into the museum? See if they can uh, check it for you. <laughs> no, it's got a barcode on it, so <laughs> I don't think they'd want it. But yeah, it's. I think the episode's good for the most part. It's just got some bits that when they appear, you think, oh dear. And it's mainly the bits with Nardole for me. And a, the repetitive thing of... The, the whole oxygen thing. Uh, we'll get into that. I think the whole... The, 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 the initial idea is great. I love it. That's why I chose it. Mm. It's got nothing to do with it, really. It's got... It's one of, The episode wants to make two political and social... Points. How many times do they say capitalism in the story? Only twice, I think. Is it? Yeah, it's not. It's not that much. But you know what they're getting at. Yeah. Whoa, the very God. thing that makes you money. BBC. Well, anyway. <clears throat> I just hate you. It's so annoying because Matt Smith seasons are great. Oh, yeah, but he's, honestly, I don't like him. He's shite. He's not. Anyway. He's not. Anyway. He's not. Anyway. I'm going to pick an, uh, Matt Smith one oh, next week. God, just to... God, we still haven't done a Christopher Eccleston. I can't be arsed yet. Yeah, but we we haven't done. We've done every other Doctor now. Can I not? <laughs> we... Do you want me to do the one next week so then I can just have free reign then? Yeah, but you won't have free reign. You just won't. We'll be stuck in like 400 episodes time just doing Christopher Eccleston because you haven't picked them the whole way through. Can we do that Matt Smith one again? Because I've rewatched it. No, we fucking can't do it again. I'll do Chris next week then. You don't have to do Chris next I'll week. I'll have to do Chris you next week. Don't have to do You don't have to do Chris. I want to do a Matt one next week. Right, we'll do a Matt Smith one next week. great ones. All right, then we'll do a Matt Smith one next and week then. I think actually I'll choose one that I think beats this so much. It pummels it of how good the Matt Smith one is compared to this one. That's how you do it properly. So, the opening titles, mm. oh they dear. suck ass. Terrible. The crap. Doesn't it sound like a Christmas special? It's it's a horror. It, it's awful. I really don't like this theme. It's awful. The, the, graphics the title sequences, the clocks, it, it don't just, work. No, it's just a bit... It no. does not work. So why the Doctor's lecturer? the beginning uh, is it just a running theme because he has to stay close to the vault yes I think so right, okay. from what I remember um, see now now you're speaking you're making me think I didn't enjoy it I did enjoy it that's the whole it. point because it's who can convince you I'm convincing you that my episode was shit <laughs> that was crap it uh, was uh, no it was good it was good it wasn't act one I think is where the main good bit is. Mm. After that, we're going downhill, and it's not so much that it's, it's really glaring bad things in this. It, but they add up. They add up certainly. So Act Two, air is marketed as something on the space station. Then the Doctor and his companions steal some spacesuits. The suits are controlling themselves, and the Doctor meets up with some other characters on the ship. Bill gets killed. Kind of, the Doctor goes blind. Kind of. I think the spacesuits look great. Yeah. They look a lot Apparently of Apparently they're very heavy. They do look lumbery. Yeah. I think that works, though, because they mm. would be. I love heavy, mm. you know, gravity, oh. big hardy spacesuits. Mm. I love stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, they look great. They yeah. look really good. The I did notice as well, when they take the... 
spacesuit apart, the broken one, the one with the man with the googly eyes. Yeah. Why has that one man got a great makeup on his face, but everybody else is just sort of a bit zombified? I reckon because he died first. First. Right. Because that looks great. Yeah. The eyes are big. I like that. Why has Doctor Who never done like an infection on a space station before? Oh, moon base is. We're not talking about uh, that. Do you like a, have you ever seen Dead Space? You ever played the game Dead Space? No. Whoa, fantastic. But just that horror aspect of a disease in space that turns people into zombies. I'm sure there has been. Let me try and think. I mean, yeah, to be fair, you've got waters on Mars and stuff like that, you know. Uh, I know, but there's gen- gen- yeah, there is stuff like that. I suppose you can't make it too horrific, can you? Why? Scare the little buggers. I know. So this concept of oxygen and yes. how it's all marketed... And capitalism's a bitch, and how the premise was like they're all running out of air. Does Oxygen. that ever ever get utilized in the story? Yeah, no, not really. It doesn't. And the thing is, is it... it's never a big threat. Oh, make sure you're not breathing too much. You have two thousand five hundred breaths left. Why is it breaths rather than time? Because Matt Lucas says. <laughs> the act. The, the fast you breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it sort of makes sense that you've got to stay calm. Yeah, because if you're calm, then you. It's actually pretty cool. I like that. If you stay calm, then you're more efficient than if you're frantic. And yeah, but if you've only got ten breaths left and you need to go and build a wall, yeah, that's the whole point. You got to I buy think. more. That. But yeah, well, I suppose yeah, but that's the whole point. Why the kill? Well, I'm not too certain on what the whole money-making scheme is money. from this company. So, can I... It's for efficiency, isn't it? Yeah. So the whole thing is that they've become inefficient. Inefficient? Unefficient? Inefficient. inefficient. I think so. Because they need oxygen. Yeah. So if they can get rid of the oxygen, they can make more money. But by getting rid of the oxygen, that means there's no workers. So without the workers, they can't make money. So they've got it. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> I don't. I just don't really understand what's. It's a. Bit. Is this? Is this? Is this a scheme that's been going on for ages? And this is how they make money by killing off their workers. I don't think so. I think it's. I think. Or is it a glitch the, in the, the algorithm? Has worked out that right, to make okay. more money if we get rid of these. Right. And then just get new people in. Well, no, it's not. It's not even get rid. Of, get rid of people, is it? What I are think... they mining? What are they doing? Uh, it's iron, isn't it? It's something, isn't it? Because he says you've got to get a mountain full to make yeah. any money out of it. But I, I think it's more at this stage in the future that companies are sort of run by AI, aren't they? Mm. So I don't think there's one person saying, "I tell you what, if we get rid of all these people in these suits, we can make a hell of a lot more money." <laughs> I think it's more the the the, yeah, the AI has worked out. Hang on, it, they're using a lot of oxygen here. So, we get rid of them. Do you know that for a fact? And because I've seen it three times now. Well, I don't uh, know I if for think... a fact, but that's what I take from it. That I just think it should be more clear. Should it, it not? It isn't crystal clear. It sort of makes sense. It you does can... if you don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a lot. There's loads of stuff like that. I guess. I yeah. I'm just and, not. And this is the thing, isn't it? I think. Our guest mentioned this. I won't name them yet, even though it's in the title and everybody's seen that yeah. already. Um, mentioned that nobody sets out to write a bad story, but 
But I don't think anybody sets out to write a story thinking that people are going to take it apart. In this day and age? Yeah, but even even still, like without without the podcast community mm. and like the forums and stuff. If you just, yeah, but if you just take it, who's is anybody taking apart EastEnders or Line of Duty or? <sighs> this is the, my argument to all this is the standards. If there is, say if East, if the fans of EastEnders start writing and saying these storylines are shite. Well, it's. It's been the same storyline, yeah. really, and it since the end. And 80s. if they start really like, and they start losing viewers, then they have no choice but to improve the quality of EastEnders. Just get rid of it, or get rid of it, and replace it with something better. Yeah, <laughs> that complacency in, well, it's just you know, it's it's Doc Do. It's just it is what it is. Bollocks to that. There is yeah. no room for improvement if you don't have any uh, grievance with anything like that. I don't think this story is. Uh, it sounds like that was we're making it dire, but the, it's I think not. The, I think the it's point, only that that point in which you know. Not, yeah, the point. I think bad yeah. things are bad things, and that just the way they are. The point I'm trying to get at, I think, is that I think the story is written in a way of just enjoy it and don't think about it too much. Just enjoy it and float your way through. Whereas, like little things like this that we're touching on now about the whole oxygen thing. A sort of well, why is everybody dead? Hmm. It makes sense enough for you to watch the story, hmm. and it makes sense in your head. It only starts to sort of not. It doesn't not make sense though. It just it sort of it's a bit. But I just find that with stories like this, I'm having to fill in the blanks. But that's I find that fine. I think it's fine. Um, Here I, we go. Here we go. <laughs> and. I just sometimes just want a good story. I know what you're saying now. Speaking of the suits. Yes. What do you think of when uh, he flipped them out of his pocket? The helmets. Mm. Look cool. Sort of. What do you mean? Mm. I thought it was really impressive. Oh. Oh, good. I did like I think the... they did as well because the camera's placed like. <laughs> oh. Linger the camera, linger the. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool, I, though, wasn't it? I did like. I always like this, and I like this on old Who because it's sort of more noticeable when they take the front panel off the uh, spacesuit mm. from the one that they find in the corridor. You know, mm. when they like it's on the floor mm. and he takes it apart. The connectors is like two holes. They're speak on connectors for speakers. Oh, yeah, and they're really they're obviously speak on connectors. I like things like that, though. I love it. Yeah, I really like that. You know, when you can see what the prop is. Yeah. I but like, like to the to like to a normal thing is viewer. when the spacesuit looks so good and everything prop wise and set wise is done so well, mm. you know that was intentional. There's no way to have a close up that looks like, like that a speaker, is a nod, isn't it? Yeah, sort of for sure. Remember when it yeah. props are crap, yeah. and I like that. It's I a think nice it's touch. Um, I think you need enough to suggest that that was intentional. I think they nailed it. Mm. That yeah, that wasn't inten- if it wasn't intentional, then whatever. It's great anyway. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So I don't want to nitpick the story too much, although this is a review, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. Why do the spacesuits need people in them to be able to start killing people? Because we had that one spacesuit that was doing all the boxes, and yeah, he can do menial things, mm. but yet the people inside the spacesuits are dead anyway, so they won't have any brain function to help the suits out and make decisions. So why can the spacesuits not just take over the people? kill them 
Well, not take yeah, them. Just kill them all. They are. They're dead, aren't they? Yeah. But there's no way for the suit to get them out, is there? Why would they need to get them out? Well, uh, what you're saying is that the suits. Why didn't the suits do this before the people got in? No. Why don't you know, remember that scene where the suit is just lifting boxes by itself yeah, at the yeah, beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it can function on its own yeah. with the AI. Yeah. Why? Why does it have to wait until someone's in it to start causing havoc and kill people? I don't think it is. Is it? I think. I think it's because that is the point where the suits AI thing realizes that it's losing money by having them in the suit. Right. Oh, I see. I see. There's a lot of people as well. Did you see that shot? Um, yeah, the there's outside. loads, loads. of them outside. I like that. Do you remember the sound yeah. in that bit? Nice. Remind me of old who that. Murray, Murray, Murray Gold's music in this is brilliant. Mm. It's nice, isn't it? Really good. Mm. I watched an interview with him with the other day. What does on... he look like? Uh, he looks like a thin man. Oh, does he? He does look like a thin when man. When I think of Murray Gold, I think of like a truffle. He's <laughs> I'm not too sure why. Swollen. No, um, in a really nice way, I think, like a, a nice truffle. Maybe because his, his name's Maury He Gold. comes across as a dick. I will say that. Ah, he's a composer, isn't he? Well, you know, he's come across types. as dicks. Uh, but I'm sure he's nice. I'm sure he's just playing up to the camera. Mm. Um, but uh, that was disappointing. Oh, that's it. <sighs> mm. Just that he looks like and acts like a dick. He doesn't look like a dick. I didn't say that. I didn't say that Murray Gold looks like a dick at all. I said mm. he acts like an utter tool. Not that he is, but he Not acts. that he is. <laughs> he comes across as a prick, but I'm not saying he is. Just playing up for the camera. Just playing up for the camera. I'm sure right. he's lovely. Mentions his brother a lot as well. Awful lot. Who's his brother? No idea. Just His brother <laughs> just keeps mentioning him all the time. Very suspicious. Or is it... Act three. No, not act three yet. <laughs> Planet of the Daleks. No, so there's drama, isn't there, in this, apparently. There's a... Uh... Whereby? <laughs> Whereby, though? There's supposed to be tension and things like that. Aye. Where? I think... Mm-hmm. Okay. It's one of those, isn't it? It's constantly laugh. For pe- for... Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, oxygen. When I saw this, I was thinking there's going to be a time limit on this episode. Like it's going to be fast cut, and it's going to pick up the pace and pick it up and pick it up We've until the end. We've got forty minutes exactly, yeah. and they're running out, running out. It's going to be hectic. It's very slow. It's isn't very it? slow. Like they don't even. I like care yeah, about it. the pacing of this episode. I liken to the episode I'm going to choose next week. But yeah, it's more of a it's more character piece, isn't it, than plot. I've no, no, the characters are terrible. Well, yeah, they're terrible. N- but they get right. they get. Well, go on. The characters suck ass. They suck ass. The Why? only bit of character building or backstory we get is right at the beginning, where she says, "Oh, I'm pregnant." Oh, no, he doesn't recording. say she's pregnant. Does she doesn't? What's she say? That she wants to try for a baby. Oh, she wants to try. If you so were listening, I was listening, and he wasn't listening because I assumed he had her on mute, and I thought, yeah. "Ooh, there's going to be a row." It's space a space row. That's cool. That's cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But he's 
Where? So you know at the beginning where that woman says she wants to try for a baby. Yes. You know, to her husband or where he is. Yeah. And they die. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh no, she's going to try for a baby. Mm. Um, There is no more backstory of any other characters. They're just there. And yeah, the only time when the other characters do anything to intervene or have any import with the Doctor's plan is when Abby points a gun at the Doctor's head for not saving everyone. Mm. It just doesn't make any... Yeah, the air's thinning, I guess, and she... Just, it... What... Can we know why she's hot-headed? What was her relationship to the guy who died and why she's so pissed off? Can I get that? Can we cut out the first bit of this episode so we can get more character building in it to build some more tension? I just don't get anything from just random characters dying. I don't care. Do you think the format of Doctor Who at the minute... At the minute? At this time... Oh, well, no, still now, really, because it's still 45 minutes, isn't it? Do you think it works for doing stuff like this? Or do you think it's got to be more pacey? Because I think 45 this minutes... You need, this cut all the other characters out. You just need Capaldi and those two companions if you have to have those two companions. I'd have one survivor. Because you need somebody to one, explain what's happened. Yeah, one, and they have to die. Yeah. But that one, we've got time to build his character or her character. Yeah, there's too, many, there's too many characters in this for the plot. Pointless. I don't know why there's so many. Uh, we, I remember at the end they're in the TARDIS as well. They're not phased. They're just in the TARDIS. No, yeah, wooden box inside, massive time machine inside. Fuck it, hell. Oh, they didn't think about the characters at all. That's the biggest gripe with this. Um, oh, he's not afraid to hold back, is he? If it's shit, it's shit. But at least when an episode I think's good, you know, I really mean it. Yeah. Like Planet of the Dead. No, no? Oh. maybe, maybe. Who knows yet? Uh, so there were, I know what you're gonna say. There's a Matt Smith one, right? Mm. Very similar sort of thing. Uh, it's called the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. Do you know about this? No. It's where Matt Smith and the gang go to this castle sort of thing, and it's like they're mining acid, oh, and there's people. They're mining acid. Something like that. Yeah, they're right. pumping acid out of the ground, and um, I think there's four workers there, and they stay in this like stasis sort of thing and clone themselves so mm. they can work because it's really dangerous working with acid and every time they die just make a new clone right and it's a two part to be fair so they got a lot more time yeah that's yeah they got a lot more time the two parters even... in you who are much better yeah than all of the single parters because I, I I'm not a big fan of the format it works most of the time yeah but there's a few there's quite a few stories really that suffer from not having more this time one to especially, develop. I think. Um, not that I would trust that they would make use of that extra time now. Well, the thing is, it's got to be... Not that the plot isn't good in this, but it's got to be good to warrant two episodes, doesn't it? Mm. And it doesn't seem like there's enough in here to pad it out for two episodes. There's no even hint of no anything else that could be fit into this. You'd need another plot line, wouldn't you, really, inside yeah. the story. Then you could probably do it. And that's what leave Nada all at home and have the vault kicking off. Why? I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, no, <laughs> no, I know, but you know, whoa, 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 whoa. but no, you just have some. You need another plot line, I think, to warrant having hmm. two episodes for this because there isn't enough for the one. No, and that's what Matt Smith does. Mm. These cl- I don't want to ruin it, but these clones start to actually be alive. Nice. Well, I don't need to watch that now, do I? 
That's that episode no, ruined. It, no, it it because it's it's the <sighs> it's, it's, start, it's the start. It's the start of like Act Two. So, <sighs> but you've got that the dimensions in the characters there of their backstories, and it just feeds into the, the story so much more. Ooh, honestly, congealed. Uh, it's so all, exquisite. Honestly. God, you just love Matt Smith, don't you? On and on. No, and I on. love the stories he's oh in. Oh my god, he's and such he's... a oh, he's such a masterclass. He's a oh. masterclass. No, to be oh. fair, there's some dire, dire episodes. Like oh. uh, when the TARDIS oh, he's goes an acting masterclass. Can you just when the TARDIS goes into a woman? The, uh, and Matt Smith calls her sexy. Of, is that Journey to the Center of the TARDIS? I think so. Yeah, I think it is. And they yeah. go outside the universe to a oh, one... I don't know. I remember oh, being a bit weird. Dire. It's crap. Better than this, though, I'd say. Ooh, honestly. Um, that's my biggest gripe with this. That There are no... There's no characters. They're just body flesh that needs to die to build fake tension. Well, then. Uh... <laughs> Uh, near in the end of Act 2 when yeah. the Doctor's blind yeah. uh, I, I will say yeah. when the Doctor goes blind the scene with Bill with her helmet off where they get so I don't know what the technical term is it term of it is but where they slowly pull the colour away from the desaturation yes yeah. they desaturize as she's asphyxiating. Then mm. the sound mixing is really nice as well. Lovely. Uh, it's hard to do space with sound because obviously there would There's be no yeah. sound. But you need to. Do I think it would work much. I think it works much better without having any dialogue in space. Mm. I really like it. I, I this. I think this episode it makes it handled space. I've never seen like this in Doctor Who. Yeah, it's brilliant. It really is good. Mm. Um, right. But yeah, when he's blind. Yeah, and he says, "Right, you're gonna have to stay here to Bill," mm. and they're coming. Excellent. It's, it's nice, isn't it? Mm. Lovely quote when he says, uh, "I'll see you later." Mm. He won't because he can't see, and he doesn't even. <laughs> and he, yeah, and he doesn't even know if he will see it later because he's just a theory, isn't it? <clears throat> I like stuff like that. It's nice. It's yeah, it's a lovely scene. Mm. Just clever writing there. I do like it. <clears throat> um, I mean, you got hordes of those people coming in, not really. You know, any, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Should we get into that Act 3? This act is a big three. one, this one. Oh, Christ. Everyone's fine. Luke's still creepy and the Doctor is still blind. Hey, aye. That, that's pretty much it, isn't it? So the summary of the plot, the well, the ending. So the Doctor works out that this is what's happening with the suits. Yeah. And then they take the oxygen... Can I just say, Go on. nothing gives him that inkling, really. A little tidbit. Well, it's just does. him thinking this, isn't it? It's there's not, no, there's div- no obvious sign that. Oh, no, right. But it's just because oh. the plot has to further. The doctor just has to say it. Mm. You know? Do, do you know what I mean? There's usually some kind of like him working it out. It's like they didn't have time. I, I don't know. It just seemed again quite sloppy. Like he just figures it out. I can't look at anything ever again. Still blind. That's right at the end. Yeah, that's crap. 
I, I did roll my eyes yeah, about it. It's it awful. It? Yeah, and it's such like a. It's like he's not. He's saying that line to the audience, yeah, not in that scene. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Don't break the fourth. Can I just wall? say? Um, the writers refer to this is off topic, but the writer, like the Steve Moffat, says the name of Doctor Who is Doctor Who when he refers to like Doctor Who. He says Doctor Who as a character. Oh, does he? Yeah, he That's says weird. loads of special features. Isn't that weird? Stephen Moffat. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's got something about saying Doctor Who constantly. Like season eight, no, season seven is filled with it. Doctor Who. In what? Oh, in the. In, oh, uh, right. Just okay. in the episodes, like Doctor Who. So he says Doctor Who. Stephen Moffat about... says uh, uh, when he's talking about the Doctor as a character, he says so Doctor Who. Right. Yeah, and not... then in his stories in that season, loads of people always say Doctor Who? Who? Question mark. Yeah. Right. Okay. So to a point where um, in Clara's first episode, what's all about Wi-Fi and stuff? Wi-Fi. Uh, he knocks on the door and Clara's <laughs> open it and says, I'm, I'm the Doctor. And she's like, Doctor Who? So, say that again. Doctor Who? Oh, I love it when people say that. Oh, uh, yeah. no. Is that Matt Smith? Mm. Oh, for God. It would it's be not his it. fault. Honestly, never had this problem in season five. I bet it was Matt Smith wanted that it line. Was, it wasn't it? It was season five. <laughs> so, well, mm, anyway. So I, just, I just thought it was quite strange. Bit off topic, I know, but... Hey-ho. Just came to my head. So the ending. I'm going to I'm gonna skip ahead because the thought is in my head at the minute. What's that? The scene back in the Doctor's office yeah. with Nardole. I don't know where that is. It's in the university. Right, okay. It's like his... So, office dreadful Matt Smith doing uh, no Matt Lucas mm. doing anger oh was he angry well <laughs> <laughs> oh. he doesn't talk like that in real life <clears throat> I think that's the he, he's sort of putting on a funny it's weird it's like he's playing a character in Little Britain he, he yes. doesn't talk like that and Catherine Tate does talk like that, you know, how she played Donna Noble. So I can let yeah, her so, Yeah, sort of. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's 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 an odd choice. It is, isn't it? And it, Matt, Matt Lucas is an odd choice. Incredibly odd. That's why I Especially said I thought it was... Especially for a children's a... audience. When you think of, like, what Little Britain's like, and I suppose you could say the same thing of, like, Capaldi with Thick of It. Hmm. Yeah. It's an odd choice to have them in, essentially... A family show. Those odd choices, though, they used to trial them. Do you remember with Donna Noble? She had a one-off episode, didn't she? Yes. And Mind you, Capaldi you... had an episode, didn't he? He was in Fires of Pompeii, wasn't he? He was. That's a good episode. I think. Mind you, you're saying that. I suppose you've got Peter Kay and you. Uh, oh, James yeah. Gordon. He's not that bad. The stories. Don't, no, no I'm sorry. The I... stories aren't great, but he's not that bad. Yeah, but. James Corden. I'd rather have James Corden. I'd rather have James Corden as the companion than Matt I'd rather Lucas. unleash Armageddon <laughs> than watch James Corden mm. on TV. Can I ever pick those episodes? You can pick them, but bear in mind, I will have nothing to say because I cannot stand James Corden. Right. I hate James Corden. What oh. if you listen to this? I don't care if you listen, James. If you're listening, I can't stand you. Oh, that's horrible. What's he ever done to you? I'm not a massive fan myself, but 
I don't like his career choices. I don't agree with them. He's just It's not him. Just I just don't agree people, with his choices. He? And he's gone to America now. And all of a sudden he's he started, made bank though. And he started talking really posh about it. Yeah, he bollocks to that. Nah, that's not you. Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah, because uh, oh, the Americans will really like me because I'm like Mary Poppins. Fuck Mary off, you Poppins. little prick. <laughs> Christ. Oh, God. Don't get me started. Um, Sorry, James. That's all right. I'll speak on his behalf. All oh, right. <laughs> you, James Colton, now. Yeah. We were so close to not making it back. It's a Matt Lucas quote. Were they? Not really. No. That's my summary of this. They're, they could it's, have. The, I was just pissed yeah. off that the characters. There weren't any characters the really. The story thinks there's more tension yeah, than there is. Exactly. The dialogue thinks there's more tension than what we're seeing. Exactly. And that lets it down. Hugely. I think it's an enjoyable story. I watched it. I rolled my eyes every time Matt Lucas was on the screen. But I got from start to end and thought it was quite enjoyable. Upon further inspection, it's still enjoyable, but the holes start to turn into chasms. Chasms. And... It's the dialogue, I think, mostly. I don't think the plot is all that bad, and I can forgive some of the plot points, like the whole idea of the oxygen thing, and the resolve, the the resolve, the resolution of the plot. Yeah, I could forgive those things. It's just that the dialogue doesn't seem to handle it in a very tidy way. It no. feels a bit messy. And I think one more go over by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it one more look over, another another pair of eyes mm. and it could have been tightened tightened. What I was gonna say is tightened and tidied. Mm. Tightened up and it would have been a nice little story. Yeah. A tightened up is I think is the key. Yeah. If they get if they Because there is a lot of, Yeah, it? there is a lot of waiting around. And if they cut those scenes down, put more scenes in there or time for the characters to develop the extra characters to build that tension more um have more lines like when the doctor said to bill you know before she thought she was gonna die yeah you know just nice scenes like that new who new who new who works so much better better when the plot is a lot snappier Mm. or the 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 story is a lot snappier Mm. i think it doesn't cope well with... But then again, not a lot of modern stuff... Well, no, that's a lie. But Doctor Who especially, I think, works a lot better nowadays being snappier, quicker action. Mm. Unless it and has that room to breathe in two-parters. Yes. I think you can do this sort of thing with the two-parters. If it's a single, it's a one-parter, you've got to do it all the time. and You can slow it down. It hasn't mm. got to be action, action, action. But I think if you're going to go in for action, it's got to be really hard hitting and you know, yeah, get it done quick. But I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed the story. To what extent? What would you give it? To the ratings? Let's do some ratings then. I was going to go originally. I was going to say green. No way. Just because I enjoyed it, I, I just enjoyed the story. But I'm going to have to go with amber, mm. only because after the second and third viewing. It just starts to feel a little bit flabby. 
I was gonna say old. No, you just watch it more and more and more. Fiftieth no, time, it's starting to feel old it feels now. Like I've watched it, <laughs> but no, it, I'd say, yeah. On a second viewing, it starts to feel a little bit. It ju- could just be tightened up a little bit. Aye. I don't think it's terrible. Rad for me. Really? Yeah. That bad? I'd never recommend it to anyone. This is the worst. <clears throat> I would recommend snippets. Do you like the opening scenes? of like, this is what Doctor Who is now. Because mm. if you compare it to like um, Chris's episodes in season one, fuck, came along. Isn't that fantastic? Mm. <laughs> um, but after that, even Capaldi's performance in this, it's fine. It's it's yeah. fine. He's he seems quite different in this. Yeah, he seems like he doesn't really want to be there. Maybe <laughs> that's not right. That's not what I mean. Maybe he suffers with a sort of Tom Baker syndrome, where if he's not a hundred percent happy with something, yeah, it seems it like comes that. out a little bit. He said in the special features that he loved the concept of the story and that he thinks they portrayed it beautifully. What I took from that is in the sets and stuff because they look great. Visually stunning. Yeah. Um, Three-star visually stunning. I don't think he's a massive fan of those companions either from that episode. Uh, I get the feeling that he wasn't I think he misses Clara. (laughs) Maybe. I I get the feeling he he didn't have a great time Hmm. being Doctor Who. No. Being the Doctor. Sorry, I did a Stephen Moffat Moffat, thing. I think it's it's one of those things where he is obviously was a massive fan of this programme and it was a role that he would he would wanted. Hmm. You know? So it's like, I think it's a sort of should you meet your heroes thing. Whereas if you're such a big fan of it Hmm. like that, if it doesn't live up to your expectations of what you think Doctor Who is, you're just going to be disappointed, aren't mm. you? Which is sort of... You were like a child or like, stomping around. That's not what I expected. This is shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stomping around, having a tantrum. But but, I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, ju- I just think, especially from things like in his final season where he gets the Mondasian Ooh. Cyberman oh. and like uh, the older models of Daleks, mm. very much feels like that's a thing that he wants just because and rightly so as well because it's Mm. a great idea but it just feels as if if it wasn't Capaldi that wouldn't have happened if we just compare Capaldi in this to listen the episode of review Mm. different doctors for me it is very different yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that he seems tired in this and this is only at the start of his run isn't it season 10 oh second season this isn't it third third Mm. After this, it's uh, Jody. Oh God, yes, he's yeah. eleven. Blimey! I know. So I, I don't know what it is, but he does seem like a different Doctor and listen. And I hope he's consistent like that. I hope it's just a one-off episode because he needs a story with shape, like how it was told. Yeah, I think sometimes some yeah you do need to see all of their run, don't you, to make it. Yeah. Flow. Yeah. I think that it's the only problem we're doing these out of context of where they sit. I'm trying to watch more as quick as I can now. Because my opinion of Matt Smith completely, completely changed now, like I said. Yeah. Uh, and Tennant as well. I quite liked him at the, from what I saw. And yeah, I'm not a massive yeah. fan now. I think he's quite weak. But anyway. 
Hey, yeah, I'm going I'm to give it a red. You're going to go red. Yeah. I'm Did I convince you on anything? Um, I think you convinced me it wasn't as good as I thought it was. Yeah. I think you dragged me down a little bit there with you. Because you agree with the characters that there is none. Uh, sort of. Yeah, Can you remember yeah. any of their faces? Of the, the crew? on the... No. 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 Can you remember their names apart from Abby? No. And do you know of anything, any backstory of them whatsoever? Only the big, the two at the exactly. beginning. Yeah. The, what's the point? They're just there, for, yeah. like cannon fodder, isn't it? Is that what it's called? Where they're just there to die? Yeah, probably. And they don't all die. So what's the point? Uh, oh, blood. Aye. Aye. Anyway, so on to my episode, Planet of the Daleks. Mm. Season 10, Serial 4, aired from the 7th of April to the 12th of May, 1973. Written by Terry Nation, directed by David Maloney, produced by Barry Letts, music by Dudley Simpson. It is six episodes long. Would you like a synopsis? I would. Arriving on Spyridon, the third Doctor and Joe encounter a Thal group. But the Daleks are here, and this time they're invisible. One. Dot, dot, dot. One. Well, Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I've got a lot to say about this one. Shall we listen to our special guest... Aye, I what think they he, have to say. I think it'll it'll say it better than me. Aye. Mm. Let's have a listen. So I thought the best thing that I could do uh, on my half to help me fight my corner for Planet of the Daleks on this episode was to invite a bit of a special guest. I say a bit of a special guest. A special guest to uh, help me. And I'm going to get them to introduce themselves now if you don't already know who they are. I only only part of me has come along, so you're absolutely right to say it's only a bit of a guest. <laughs> and you're right, I am special, but perhaps not in the way that your listeners might have taken it to mean when you first said it. But I'm <laughs> J.R. Southall from the Strangers in Space podcast, as was the Blue Box podcast. And I'm sure all of our listeners, if they haven't already listened, should definitely go and listen. I know about two weeks ago I finished my... I won't say troll, because that makes it sound like it's hard work, but I finished my way through the Blue Box podcast. So That's I'm, a uh, lot as... of episodes. It was uh, it was a lot of work. I feel like this should be a, a sticker, you know, like I've had my vaccine sticker, you know, sort of, I feel like there should be something, a reward for that, but it was well worth it. And, you know, the Strangers in Space podcast, I listen religiously. It's fantastic, you know. It's, uh, it's brilliant, a great listen. It is, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, what it is that I've asked you to come along for is, as you may or may not know, on the podcast we take a classic series episode, or story, I should say, and a new series story, and not really compare them, because I don't think you can really do that with classic and new who, but just sort of look for what we like and what we dislike about both. And essentially, one of you is the new series guy, and one of you is the old series guy, and you're trying to persuade the other one that your story's better than theirs. Exactly that. <laughs> so um, it's a great as format. You may have, I like the format. Well, you know, it's it's yeah. It, we came up with the idea just because I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a while, and I thought other than music, there's nothing really that I know anything about. And let's be and honest: then, if you're from anywhere near Liverpool, you probably don't know much about music anyway. Well, you know, that's the thing. You know, it, <laughs> pass, pass. <laughs> so. Um, so I thought um, 
what better to do than Doctor Who? And then it just turned out that Luke, my co-host, had just started sort of re-watching all of New Who and hadn't seen any old Who. So I thought this is the perfect target for me to kidnap and sort of say, do you want to do a podcast because you haven't seen any New Who and I can't remember, you know, I can't remember most of New Who, even though I have seen everything. I'm just sort of, I'm going into that slightly blind and he's going into Classic Who completely unaware of what it's going to be like. And I've got to say, from my own perspective, I would say, objectively, New Who is a better programme than Old Who was, I think... But I would also say that most of us who grew up with Old Who have more of an, a connect, an emotional connection with Old yeah, Who. exactly. So there's a balance to be had between the emotional yes. connection and uh, I definitely think New Who is deeper and more textured than the original series was. We've, we've discussed this and even though my heart still lies with Classic Who, I don't think I can get rid of that. It's still... It's undeniable that there is a a very a great production in New Who compared to old. Not that there wasn't a great production then, but just the advances in technology and the way script writing has developed and cinematography especially, there is such a huge wealth difference with New Who to old Who. And in that respect, that's why I don't really like to compare in the way of sort of this story is better than this story because I think they've got to stand alone mm. as sort of their own entity of... This is how, you know, television is done now and this is how it was done then. But which do you just prefer to watch, you know, as... Yeah, my philosophy it's... is... Then this is my philosophy that you probably heard me talking about in the Blue Box podcast at some point. My philosophy is nobody ever intends to make anything other than a great story, right? Exactly. But that doesn't always happen. So if it doesn't happen, I try to work out why, what's gone wrong... And if it doesn't happen, I still think it's worth looking for, well, which bits do work? So in everything, yes. even the worst story, there are still things that work. And if, exactly, you, exactly. if you've got a really bad story, then, you know, perhaps the more interesting thing is why doesn't it work rather than yeah. what is it about it that doesn't work? Because it's easy to rag on something you don't like, but I find it much yeah. more... I find it a much more... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm terrible with words... Once you pass the age of about 45, it's just all downhill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's much more rewarding to try and figure out the reasons why things haven't worked than just to sort of rag on stuff that you didn't like. Exactly. And to be fair, that's one of the things that I've struggled with. I think we both struggled with it, to be honest, with the podcast, is that trying to get over that initial wall of something that you don't like to figure out what it is that you... to, to try and find the good that is behind that wall... Because I think if you've got something that you instantly dislike, like personally for me, in this episode we're doing um, Planet of the Daleks and Oxygen. And Oxygen, I haven't told, I haven't said this yet because we haven't recorded, I think it's fantastic. You know, it, it completely gone out of my mind. And then, But initially, when I was watching it, I'd really dislike the character of Nardole. Uh. So instantly when I'm watching it that's all I can think is that I don't like that character I don't like that character and I really struggle to sort of look past well he's only in for like five minutes of dialogue that he's got in the story mm. just look past it and look for the stuff that you really enjoy and that being said I think that brings us on to the story that uh, <laughs> <laughs> the story that we're going to try and uh, you know so in a nutshell what... for my sake because you'll do this in much greater detail 
uh, while I'm not here. In a nutshell, yeah. for my sake, why on earth have you picked Planet of the Daleks? Right, well, I've got a sort of... I've, I think I've probably got a top five stories that obviously switch between being my favourite. And Planet of the Daleks has always been one for me. I can accept that it is not a great story. And it tends to pop up a lot where people say it's just Terry Nation reeling off all of the things that he writes and chucking it in one story, which I can sort of understand. But for me, going back to the nostalgia thing that you mentioned earlier, there's just something about that story, whether it is because I am trying to think back, it is probably one of the first stories that I saw in the late 90s on bravo or uk gold when they'd show it on sunday mornings so it's always it's got a special place in my heart really that story along with a few others but so the time came where i thought right i've got to do a story where i really this is one for me where i can't have a bad word said about it so you're going to be my shield i think well hopefully (laughs) i I might not be that great a shield (laughs) Well, you know, even if it's a piece of cardboard, you know, I'm sure it'll stop the the bullets flying from Luke a little bit, you know. I've always had a massive soft spot for Planet of the Daleks because it's my earliest memory of Doctor Who, more or less. There are a couple of things from before it that I vaguely think I might have seen, but this is the first time I can actually remember watching Doctor Who. Probably because it's the Daleks and you don't forget your first Dalek story. And I've always said... For people who complain, oh, another Dalek story. Can we ever have a year when there's not a Dalek story? I always say every year of Doctor Who is somebody's first year of Doctor Who. And they exactly. need to have their first Dalek story, just like I did when I was I was four, I think, when this was on. Or f- yeah. Just about five, maybe. And so, yeah, the reason I like it is not because I think it's especially good, but because <laughs> I have this nostalgia for it. Yeah, it was also my my first target book, purely yeah. by coincidence. It was the first story I saw in UK Gold in a repeat, also by coincidence, pretty much. Yeah, but I don't think it's a terrible story. It has this reputation for not being any good at all, and it pretty much always comes bottom of the season for yeah. season ten when there's season polls. But I don't think it's that bad because I think. It's sort of, yeah, because I think Carnival Monsters always comes up top, doesn't it? Or maybe the Three Doctors. Yeah, and um, so, you've got the Green Death as well, which is always very popular oh, too. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, but what about the Green Death? That's another one, I suppose. Season 10, especially. It's a very, because I remember yeah, it's, very it's strong, just yeah. such a strong mm. season. Like, you know, it's, and for me, I'd say Planet of the Daleks is one of those stories where somebody said, what is Doctor Who? I think... Planet of the Daleks is probably a great example or pretty much anything from season 10 is a great example even if you dislike Pertwee of sort of this is what Doctor Who embodies really you know it's well, they did this action adventure sort of but they did that sci-fi deliberately because it was the 10th season of Doctor Who Barry Letts the yeah. producer kind of decided to make it Doctor Who's greatest hits so it is yeah. designed to be the best of Doctor Who as it were yeah and do you think it pulls that off more or less. I mean, there are stronger. Yeah. There are stronger examples of. I mean, Green Death is sort of, you know, the Doctor on planet Earth with something weird going on. There are better examples yeah. of stories set on planet Earth with something weird going on, but it's still yeah. a very strong example, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Frontier in space is supposed to be like a space opera, 
And there are probably slightly better examples of that even, although it's not something that Doctor Who's ever, in the classic series, ever managed to do that well because of the budgets. Yeah. But nevertheless, Frontier in Space is still a very strong example of that kind of thing. It's got great special effects for the time. Yeah. Planet of the Daleks is probably the weak link for two reasons. One, the jungle sets in the studio, they never really convince you you're anywhere else other than a TV studio. Yeah. So it's not like on Planet of Evil, they went out to Ealing or whatever it was. And they built yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, they built a jungle in a film studio, and it looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Planet of yeah. the Daleks. They built a jungle in a TV studio, and it does not look amazing. No. <laughs> Having said that, though, if you sort of set that to one side, it's still quite an achievement to do what they did in a TV studio. Well, yeah. When you th- when I was watching it, I was sort of looking because you always say. You always hear these stories of people saying you can see the plant pots or you can tell the plants that are yeah, real yeah. and the things. But do you know what? It, it, it's not great, but it never looks as if they're shooting it the same way. Mm. You know, you'd assume that you'd notice, oh, there's that that plant or there's that tree. You know, as if the, it's just they've got a selection of 20 plants that are set out to look like a jungle and we'll shoot it. It always seems to look different. And I think it succeeds that way. It's directed by David Maloney who went yeah. on to do Genesis of the Daleks and the Talents of Wang Chiang, and who had done things like the War Games. Yeah. And David Maloney's famous for putting ceilings on his sets, mostly in a TV studio. You don't put ceilings on the sets because the lighting rigs are above the sets and you need the light yeah. to be able to come through, so you can't have a ceiling up there. David Maloney very often got his designers to put ceilings on the sets so that he could shoot from lower angles and that also meant the light was dissipated, which also helps, funnily enough. Oftentimes, when you're filming indoors, you don't want it to be too bright because then it just looks unnatural. Yeah. So despite the fact that most of it's set in the jungle, David Maloney is still trying to find ways not to shoot it just by having the camera at human head, si- uh, human head height at the edge of the set, forever looking in as if it's a theatrical set which just happens to have a camera where the audience would be. He's forever looking for ways not to do that. And he doesn't achieve it as well here as he does in most of his other stories because this is all jungle sets. But he still manages it pretty well. It's it's a great world building. You do really get a sense of a sense of place of where the Plain of Stones is, where the entry of the Dalek City is, Mm. where the TARDIS is. You know, you do get this feel of you're in this area of where all of these things are happening. And I think it works really well. On a side note to it, do you think of Planet of the Daleks as being this two-parter, as in Frontier in Space and Planet of the Daleks no. being stitched together? No. See, it seems 50-50 to me, because I know uh, I listened to the Crinoid podcast the other day yeah. to sort of see what they thought of Planet of the Daleks, and Jim thinks it isn't, and Martin says it is. It's sort of... And I can't make up my mind whether... Because it doesn't really follow the story other than the Daleks appear at the end of Frontier in Space and are sort of carried over into the story. Yeah, they nothing, never reflect back to no, anything that's happened Nothing follows before it. through, no. No. And the way Frontier in Space ends, it, it ends with the Daleks in such a position 
as you don't start the next story with the Daleks in hiding. Because essentially, at the start of Planet of the Daleks, you've got the Daleks in hiding. They're on this yeah. planet that's in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, most of the Dalek army, as we discover, is sort of buried under the planet's surface. Yeah. The way Frontier in Space ends, you're not expecting to go into a story where the Nothing. Daleks are in hiding. <laughs> you're expecting a big spectacular where the Daleks are in charge. And Planet yeah. of the Daleks is completely the opposite of where that story uh, needs yeah. to go. Sort of two mobile Daleks and the rest of them just sort of standing or frozen in the ice. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 such a strange choice because I think on one occasion Barry Letts has said it was intended to be a two-parter and then he's sort of gone back on that in the future and said it was never really intended to be a two-parter. But Clearly it to... was though, because otherwise Frontier in Space wouldn't end with the Daleks having been behind well, it or would they? Exactly, especially with the cliffhanger. That never really happens to my memory, other than in 60s Who. Well, Hartnell, early Hartnell, really, yeah, yeah. is the only time where that happens. It leads into the next story. And even still, it's never a sort of a continuation of the story plot-wise from yeah. story to story. So this definitely is... You know, a continuation of that. But Planet of the Daleks is so standalone. Like, it doesn't really matter. If you can just get rid of the bit at the beginning where the Doctor's been shot... Yeah, nothing. well, this is it. If Barry Letts had said to Terry Nation, we need you to write a story, and here's the script for the six episodes before that you need yeah. to, your story to come out of, Terry Nation <laughs> might have come up with something. that, But he doesn't. And really, yeah, the only thing that he does is start off with the Doctor... You know, having just been shot. Yeah, and... and It doesn't really yeah. add up at all. <laughs> Nothing, no. So, what are your... What, let's go through your best bits. So, what do you think? <laughs> what, what are your favourite, as it were, what are your favourite bits of Planet of the Daleks? If I say to you, Planet of the Daleks, what instantly comes into your mind? Oh, God. Other than the nostalgia. Bad, all the bad bits. <laughs> but... But having said that, I look at them as bad bits now. But when I was four or five or however old I was when it was on, and when I was eight or nine reading the book, these yeah. were all the great bits. And the, and the great bits when you're four or five or eight or nine aren't the bits that necessarily translate when you're an adult. So things no. like I found the um, the plants that squirt the stuff that then um, asphyxiates you. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. There's I, so yeah. many bits of this story that I remember as a child being absolutely terrified. Yeah, like yeah. the this Dalek Supreme coming out thinking, "Oh God, everything this Armageddon is unleashed now." Of sort of, I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh, but that this, Dalek is the best Dalek ever. That's the best it, bit. It's brilliant. Yeah. And it's such a shame. But I see sometimes if it's, I wonder if it's a shame that it's only in that sort of last. 15 minutes of episode six yeah. or if we saw any more of that maybe the lights not flashing in time would have been yeah we'll might have been irritating him. yeah 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 so yeah but uh, but but apart from that i mean obviously the the little bit of location work you've got down by the sort of side of the pond that's pretty good because those excellent. are the best looking daleks that that sort of gunmetal gray and you don't get oh, that yeah. very often Actually, I like the ones in Death to the Daleks, the sort of silvery ones as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these mid-70s ones are the best Daleks, I think. But yeah. I, yeah. It's it's strange because all of the things in Pertwee's era, Pertwee isn't, isn't my favourite Doctor, I'd say, but 
all of the stuff that is in his era is what I think of as Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 really strange because you would assume that by that he would be my favorite. And not even that his <laughs> stories, not even that his stories are my favourites, but just the whole aesthetic of that era of Dudley Simpson as well, especially. I know Dudley gets a lot of bad rap, and I, I can't really, I'm not going to go there because I've got nothing but respect for Dudley. The amount of work and the wealth of you know yeah. content that he put out is. I'm not a huge fan though myself. No, yeah, that's the thing. It's, he tends to be more. I sort of admire Disliked, what he did than like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everything about that era is just what Doctor Who is for me. Yeah, I yeah. Just I've never been able to get rid of get rid of my thoughts on that. From so about 1971 to about 1977, I think. Yeah. Season seven is the one that everybody loves more than anything else, but it's so different from what came afterwards that I tend to think that Doctor Who, as we know it, kind of starts in season eight and goes through yeah. till about season 14. And those are the classic years, eight to 14, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think I, I sometimes wonder if it would be any different if there was more of Troughton available, sort of existing, rather, mm. if the perception of that would change, whether that time frame would shift a little bit back to the sort of mid-60s. But then again... You sort of get in what you would have got with Troughton in the Pertwee era, I think. But it's Just... a little bit more sophisticated. The Troughton stuff. Troughton and Fraser Hines, Wendy Padbury, great actors, great team, yeah. great fun. But the stories have got no sophistication. It's really... There's nothing really there. No, it's... it's just those three running around. And yeah. a bunch of character actors coming in and probably looking at the scripts and thinking, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> when do I get paid? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so it's really, so, they're really great fun to watch, but oh, yeah. they're not terrific Doctor Who by and large. Some, I mean, some are obviously a lot better than others, but I, yeah. I would never describe it as sophisticated storytelling. Oh, no, you know, it's not it's not up there, but no. it's, yeah, it's still, everything seems to have its place, though, and I think you, hmm. I can't deny that it's, you know, it's still fantastic. You know, imagine if that era didn't exist. I just think, what a shame that would be. That we're lucky to have what we've got existing of Troughton. I think mm. to sort of you know to look back on. So now we've looked at the good. <laughs> I'll <laughs> I'll let you have a couple of bullets uh, from Luke, and let's go through the bad. What do you see? Do you do you see it as a Terry Nation? doing the only things he knows or no okay let's do this so uh, i think the worst thing about it is that it's six episodes it should be four yes so it's so it's stretched really thin but what's stretched really thin about it isn't the plot or the story what's stretched really thin about it is the fact that basically it is all set in the studio and it's not an especially successful recreation of a jungle in the studio so across four episodes you'd be a lot more forgiving of that than you are across six. And I think that's what stretches thin. The story, the Terry Nation story, yes, he basically does a lot of the action-adventure stuff he always does, but he tends to do it with a purpose. So the thing about Terry Nation is, I think he writes stories, and they're sort of World War II war films set in space (laughs) and on a Doctor Who budget and with Daleks instead of Nazis. Yeah, that's fair enough. And this is... Planet of the Daleks essentially is uh, the 
the sort of English fighting the Nazis in the jungles of Africa. Yeah. To all intents and purposes. And that, I think, is a perfectly valid thing to do in Doctor Who in the 1970s, given that most of your audience would either remember the Second World War or would have been brought up on war films and they would be shown on the telly all the time. So all this would be really familiar. And, of course, at the same time, the Vietnam War is sort of just coming to an end as Planet of the Daleks is on. And there are lots of hints of that too. So I think all of this stuff is tied into Planet of the Daleks. And I think what Terry Nation does is he kind of writes a story And, of course, he puts this in the dialogue, so it's really on the nose at times. But he writes a story about what human beings go through when they're in these positions. So he he adds in this sort of subplot about the wife of the commander who joins him on the mission and thus (laughs) compromises his ability to do his job. But these are sort of character colours that you wouldn't necessarily get if he hadn't brought that in and the Doctor gets some nice speeches about what courage is and what courage yeah, means it's lovely yeah it might all seem a bit pat now but at the time and in context that gives the story a reason for being that some other Doctor Who stories don't necessarily have I often look at the classic series and think a lot of these stories they're nice stories but they're not really about anything whereas I think Planet of the Daleks you don't have to dig too deep to discover what it's about. And it might not be about very much. And it might not have an awful lot to say about what it is about. But at least to me, it feels like it is about something. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, because Terry... Terry? Terry Nation tends to have this sort of a stigma around him of he's only got certain plot ideas and there's going to be a countdown. And, you know, there's going to be the things, the sort of the greatest hits... Yeah, but if but you I look think... at Stephen Moffat, there's going to be a timey-wimey <laughs> bit. And if you look at Robert yeah. Holmes, somebody's going to get taken over. So, yep. you know, they all do it. You look at Malcolm exactly. Hulk, and there's going to be somebody who's standing in for communism and somebody who's standing in yeah. for, you know, <laughs> capitalism, etc., yep. etc. They all do it. So I don't know yeah. why Terry Nation gets singled out for that. Yeah, that's the thing. It always seems to be Terry Nation that gets pulled up mm. as being the one who's just going to use those ideas that he's got. But, you know, they work. And I don't think anybody can deny that they work. You know, the countdown thing is a great tension builder. The jungle warfare thing is a great tension builder, even if we do see a little too much of it in Planet of the Daleks, like I said. But, you know, I think it's just a bit unfair to sort of say he's only got these ideas, so it's all that he's going to chuck in. But I do think Planet of the Daleks is the best way to do a greatest hits for Terry Nation. And I think it's really where we see it sort of all clicks into place exactly what Terry Nation is as a writer. If it was four episodes, Planet of the Daleks would go down as a classic, I think. And Yes, and there are two other things to remember. One is that at this time, Terry Nation hadn't written a Dalek story since the Dalek Master Plan, or The Chase, depending on who you believe who wrote the Dalek Master Plan. So this is actually Terry Nation's first time back. Yeah. So actually, although we look back on it now and say, well, it's just the same story as you've got in Death to the Daleks and the same story as you've got in whatever. Actually, it's not. It's basically a similar story to Death to the Daleks and a similar story to the Daleks. But it had been 10 years since the Daleks, which wasn't available on video. And the novel hadn't been reprinted at this point. So for anybody under the age of about 15, all of this would have been entirely brand new and all the other stories, Death to the Daleks and so on, 
come afterwards. So with the benefit of hindsight, we could say, oh, it's just like all his other stories. But the audience it was intended for, the audience it went out for in 1973 would not have been thinking that. Oh, yeah. And then the other thing is, this was supposed to be Doctor Who's greatest hits. So this story that's doing Doctor Who's greatest hits is kind of doing what it's supposed to do by doing yep. the Daleks' greatest hits. You know, <laughs> that was that was the idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, well, that's the thing. If they weren't going to, at this point, Terry Nation wasn't expected to write this, the Dalek story because if you look back into Troughton's era, it wasn't him writing the stories, the Dalek stories. So they didn't have to have him back, I don't think, for Planet of the Daleks. I think he insisted because they hadn't oh, right. used him. They hadn't used him. So he basically said, they did um, the Dalek story in 72, which was Day of the Daleks. And he said, hang on, are you writing Dalek stories without me? I should yeah. have first dibs on the Daleks. And I think this is the point at which he did insist. But yeah. you're right, he hadn't written the three Dalek stories previous to this. So the last Dalek story that had his name on was in nineteen sixty five, eight years earlier. Yeah. So And if you yeah, hmm. if you're gonna do a if you're gonna do we need a story that is gonna introduce these seventies viewers in colour, if you had a colour television back in that point, you know, to the Daleks. And who better than their creator to write a story, use all of the things that he uses to write his Dalek stories, and let's face it, makes them memorable. Mm. Just let him write, rewrite all of the little bits of his stories and bring them into one. Yeah, I, and I often have a problem as well with people saying, oh, everybody else writes the Daleks better than Terry Nation does. You know, like David Whittaker in Power and Evil of the Daleks. And yes, David Whittaker comes up with interesting conceits for Power and Evil of the Daleks. But still, I think if Terry Nation's writing the Daleks, he's the guy who knows them inside out. So David Whittaker isn't writing the Daleks better than Terry Nation. David Whittaker's it's writing a version of the Daleks. Yeah. But that's not necessarily what the Daleks are. And so I still think you've got to go back to Terry Nation's stories for a sort of truer perspective on the Daleks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that's about all we're going to touch on this time. I just wanted a bit of uh, corner fighting. Yeah, because you, know, you and Luke, uh, otherwise this episode is going to run to about four hours, right? Oh, yeah, well, I was just thought, you know, we're, we're touching on six probably already at this point during the, the episode. But, um, yeah, hopefully sometime in the future we can get you back and we'll... Uh, do a nice interviewee bonus episode with you if that would be uh and we'll talk about all right but maybe talk about something i like right yeah 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 hopefully <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so thank you very much for taking some of your time to come and talk about this story that obviously it's obvious you absolutely adore and can't say enough good things about I do watch uh, this more than I watch a lot of the other stories that, you know, you and I and everybody else would probably consider better stories. Yes, yeah. Uh, to be fair, all of the ones that are in my top five, I'm not going to say what they are because I'm going to leave that as a surprise for everybody. I'm sure they'll be thrilled when I announce those. Um, the, none of them, I don't think, are especially high regarded. No. <laughs> Most of them people would say, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, that's a story. Yeah, it was all right. But I think that's the nostalgia thing is you just like you can't get away from it. You know, it's whatever you started with tends to be the thing yeah. that you keep going back to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. So thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you very much. So thanks for that, JR. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. 
It was a great listen, yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Um, everybody should go and uh, check out the Strangers in Space podcast and the Blue Box podcast. After they've listened to this one. <laughs> <laughs> After they've finished listening to every episode. No, no. You know, go and have a look, because it's great. I've I've pointed you in their direction, you, haven't I, Luke? Mm, you have. Sounded like I haven't then, but I have told you to do that. Have you done that yet? I have, yeah. Have give you? It, yeah, I'll give it a little listen, yeah. What, what, I've listened to an episode, yeah. Good. And? It's better than ours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> now that you know what JR thinks of Planet of the Daleks, I think you sort of know what I think of Planet of the Daleks. What do you think? What do you think I think? I think you think it was shit. Huh. No. I don't think it was shit. Okay. Um, I just thought it's, it's a pretty weak story, isn't it? And this is your top three favourite Doctor Who stories as well. It It is up there, yes. And I want to tear it apart. <laughs> <laughs> Bend over. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> So what did you think I thought, like, why did you think I I thought it was weak? I think you thought it was overlong. No. Okay. I think you don't like Pertwee. Uh, I think you don't like Joe. Yes. (laughs) I think you don't like the plot, or you don't think there's a lot of plot there. Well, why am I doing this? Why don't you just tell me? Because I'm I'm just interested. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's about it, really. I think you just didn't enjoy it. Wholesale. (laughs) 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 No, it was... uh, I do like the concept. Yep. As always. (laughs) The concept's (laughs) always great. Um you know, the Daleks trying to develop invisibility. It's a natural step forward, isn't it, for the Daleks? It, well, it, it's a like bit of an need, odd... Yeah, it, but they they've need... Ma- they've conquered space, yeah. they've conquered planets, yeah. they've got time travel, yeah. but invisibility is the and, thing they're missing, really, isn't it? Yeah, because the Doctor doesn't have that, apart from the TARDIS. It's a bit of an odd trope to want to have, isn't it? it? It's pretty good, though. You can see why they just... Well, it's not... Yeah... I, I think I could see if like it was a small colony, like it was the twelve they first first thought were on that planet. Mm. Uh, I can see like they're just scouting it out, trying to the R and D, you know, on the side. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But it's the whole army that's buried. It's the biggest the army that there has been. Of the... And the biggest army is ten thousand Daleks. And they were talking about the the Dalek War as well. Yeah, from the from the episode the Daleks, the first ever episode. Which people say, and I do think that this episode rips a lot from it. Not rips, it just uh, it I disagree. an awful lot. I disagree. Really? Personally, I think it's a bit of a lazy um, explanation of Planet of the Daleks. And Only... that's not, it's not shaping my opinion. It's just, I think it is generally fact that it borrows a lot from it. It does. Which it borrows it is a... an anniversary episode. Yeah, it's the 10th season. Mm. I mean... We've just JR spoke about this. It is the it is the tenth season, so it is the anniversary season, and it does borrow a lot from the Daleks, but it also borrows a lot from the Chase. Mm. Borrows a lot from Dalek Invasion of Earth. It borrows mm. a lot from the. So it's not original. Well, it's not that it's not original, but 
again, I'm just rehashing what Jay has just said. Terry Nation is doing exactly the same thing that Robert Holmes does, where he's got his tropes of writing. Mm. Exactly the same thing that Stephen Moffat does with his timey-wimey stuff. Exactly the same stuff that um, Russell T. Davis does, where he has his... They've all got yeah. their things that they do That's when they why write their hired. stories. Exactly. And Terry Nation writes a good adventure story. I don't mind that like, loose things are borrowed anyway. I don't really mind that. But... The thing is, I think the best way of looking at it is as a Dalek greatest hits. So They're not that menacing in this episode, though. They're not that menacing. They're clever. The, I think. It's a great version of the Dalek. What do you think, just of the Daleks in general, when you first see them in this episode... Mm. Like, forget the plot. What do you think of the Daleks in this? As compared to... As compared to what you're familiar with the Daleks, as in... Oh, like New Who? Yeah. I've wrote it down, like, I think New Who does Daleks better. I disagree. It, if I was comparing this episode solely yeah. to New Who, I'd say New Who does it better. Because uh, in this episode, they all have the same voices. Well, yeah, there's two... There is two people. Yeah, but you can, Nick, the Daleks and you who sound the same all the time. They do, but at least, Briggs. at least the sinkings on cue to light so I actually know who's talking. Do you remember the Supreme Dalek, the gold one? Yeah, when there's a scene, isn't there, Fuck, in the, who's in the city? talking? Is it, it's in the city with two Daleks yeah. either side, isn't it? It's or a Dalek like or something. Yeah. And... There's no idea who I have is no speaking idea because the right ones talking and the the supreme ones yeah. glowing. I was like, I, I don't really know. But it's nice not hear Nicholas Briggs do voices. I thought they sounded very similar though to Nicholas Briggs. I think this is sort of what Nicholas Briggs is going for. These Dalek yeah, voices did not copy sound... Nicholas Briggs in the future. <laughs> <laughs> These Dalek voices do sound excellent though. Mm, I'd say that they're yeah. a lot less shrill than. Not a lot less. They're a bit less shrill than Nicholas ones, but um, I think they've done better. I'd say I'd agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, but the Dalek voices. It's two people doing the Dalek voices. Mm. Roy Skelton, who goes on to do Zippy and George, mm. who's also Wester. He is. He plays yeah. The voice of Wester, yeah. and we see. Roy Skelton, when Wester dies and then some, for some unknown reason, becomes visible when he's dead. Odd choice. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's Usually, just a, it, I, I remember when uh, Jack, Charis Jack, Charis Jack, Charis Jack, yeah, um, showed his face in the mask. I had agreements with that. Yeah. Uh, but this time around, I don't. I'm not too sure because it maybe because it's not a main main character. No, and it's it's like. Oh, that's what they look like. And it's, it's quite interesting to me. Mm. And it's the whole technology of invisibility. Yeah. So I'm guessing they can't be invisible their whole lives. Probably. I'm guessing it's sort of the same thing of, of a like a chameleon, that they yeah. change their colours exactly. or they can sort of become invisible when they want. Or maybe like body heat. Yeah. Do you like, and when, when we die, it's just cold. Yeah. So maybe it's something maybe. like that. Could be. Uh, and the other Dalek voice is the wonderful Michael Wisher, who goes on to play Davros. The nice. first and definitive, some may say, Davros. Mm. I would agree there. Michael Wisher is the best Davros. Um, we will get to that story eventually. Mm. But yeah, I think the Daleks are great in this. There's a couple of dodgy Daleks, as they were, as it were, that are very clumsy. Mm. Now, I know what you mean. There's, there's now a scene where the Daleks coming in quite quick into the control room, 
and then the other doll has to back smack really quickly because he's going to crash <laughs> oh, into him. Shit. Yeah, yeah. I there's John Scott Martin, John the Hair Scott Martin. He's got a massive, oh, brilliant hair. Uh, Murphy Grumba and Cy Town. Now I think it is the Dalek that Cy Town is in because this is his first time doing the Dalek, being inside a Dalek, hmm. and. There is quite obviously one Dalek that is clumsy. Hmm. Um, it, it's fine. I don't think it's that noticeable. I never noticed it as a kid. No. No. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where so many things in the episode is quite clumsy anyway. You know. Um, you know what I mean? Like uh, props dangling where they shouldn't be or do you know where the plants you can see the mechanism inside, you know, just past the gap. Yeah. You know, it's lots of things that are clumsy in the episode, so I don't really look out for things like that. So what do you, what do you think of the plot of the story, then? If we go episode by episode, mm. do you want to do that? So uh, Yeah. You know, we'll skim through it a little bit. Um, episode one starts with the end of Frontier in Space. So there's like a 50-50 thought on this that Planet of the Daleks and Frontier in Space are supposed to be a 12-part story. Mm. I'm not sure whether I agree. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I, yeah, I've seen a little bit... Well, I've seen a summary of Frontier in Space. Yes. Uh, it it's very, very flabby. It Well, I think it's a great story. It's very it's very political. Yeah. and But it has nothing really to do with Planet of the Daleks other than... The Daleks. But they're right at the end of Frontier in Space, aren't they? They are, yeah. So, the end of Frontier in Space leads into this story, but in Planet of the Daleks, we never refer back to Frontier in Space. Do you think the Master had something to do with that? Because that was his last story, Frontier in Space, wasn't it? Roger Delgado? Yeah. I think so, yeah. That is his last... Is it? Yeah, he died in a car crash, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's sad. Um, So, we start with that. Um, What... The, we then get the the scene of the Doctor comatose. I found that first episodes of Old Who, Classic Who, mm. are always very slow. I think that's. I think the first episodes are great. Really. And this is a great first episode. I think. The reveal at the end's pretty good. I don't know why he's so surprised it's a Dalek though when he's just come and you know seen. He literally them. told the Time Lords to take the TARDIS to. Yeah, so I'm not too sure what that's about. And Sending the title, the time it's not a surprise to the audience because the title card is Planet of the Daleks. <laughs> I'm not too sure what that's about. Uh, the reveal's really cool, the spray paint though. Mm. Uh, they spray it and spray it and spray it until, like I knew as soon as they started spraying it what it was. Yeah. But they spray it until it's, it's, it's full. John! <laughs> until it, there's nothing to spray left. It's, <laughs> oh, it's a Dalek! It's Yeah, it's a great effect as well. Yeah, it's, it's done really well. Uh, what do you think of the... Uh, Ikea furniture. I, I wrote that down. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ikea furniture in the, in the TARDIS. I think it's great. Is it? <laughs> is it? Th- oh. Is it? Go on. Is it Ikea furniture in a TARDIS? It's, uh, well, saying that, you know, you got New Who, which has bits and bobs of everything in the TARDIS, but... I think just think it's so out of place. It's so obviously it's they, it's a flat pack that they just opened up and built there and then. It's yeah, it's, it's not designed in any way or painted in any way. Well, the the, ne- the story that we're going to be doing after this expands on the TARDIS more. Mm. I will say, okay. bit of a clue there. Um, 
but yeah, it's like little things like you've got the, the flat pack furniture that's behind that he's lying on the bed. And then when the TARDIS runs out of oxygen, how? But the little... Uh, I like the effect of when the, the chances come up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but, but it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's right it's, there. It's a full-on turn one nozzle. Hmm. Turn the other nozzle. Hmm. Turn the See, other and that, this is Terry Nation oh. writing in another trope of his. Because in Death to the Daleks, hmm. the TARDIS runs out of electricity. Right. And then he uses power three times. They switch the power on three times and it goes down, do it again, it goes down, do it again. Oh, it's on. Oh, it's gone <laughs> <off>. <laughs> <laughs> But, hey I I thought it's, it's, it's quite a weak start to the episode, I thought. Um, yeah. I think mainly because it comes from... Yeah, I don't know why the Doctor was shot in the first place. You know, I just went into it blind. Yeah, well, we, we, uh, yeah, I know we'll that now, but, space. but um, then she goes out of the TARDIS, doesn't she, Joe? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the log? log? What do you think of Joe's log? Joe's log. The uh, little tape recorder. That was improvised, wasn't it? I, th- uh, I think so. She I've... said most of the scenes where she's alone were improvised. I think it's yeah. I'm assuming she's told sort of roughly yeah. what to say, but it's not completely scripted. But what you is there any point to it other than it being silent? Initially, I put the writer didn't know what to do with characters while the plot was mo- like moving forward somewhere else. So yeah. she's just doing that to look busy. Um, when actually, you know, episodes on, they know what they're doing. <clears throat> well. I've written, what, how yeah. to write different, you know, plot lines, beats, you know, what do they call them? ABC, strange, strange, strange you know, strands. yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, I've written in me note in me notes mm. that I think the log, the main reason for it, even though it has no purpose, if it had had something to do with the story, mm. as in there's a bit of information that Joe says in that log, yeah, that helps the end, but it doesn't really. I think the only thing it is, it is for is, you know, the scene with Codal and the Doctor in the cell where they talk about it's Brady. my favourite scene in the whole story. It's lovely, mm. lovely scene. Where he plays the tape recorder and he is Joe's voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's all it's for, isn't it? Because at that point, the Doctor thinks Joe's dead. Mm. And I think it's just sort of a... Like a, but a he just prompt. When he meets up with Joe later on, he's like, I thought you were dead. Yeah. Oh, you're not dead? Yeah. <sighs> Joe has very weird one-offs of, like, brilliance. It's very strange in this episode, where she'll understand what the Doctor's on about. It, uh, what uh, I can't remember what scene it was. I, I'm, I'm, I think it was something when they were going up the vent, the, you know, in the hot air balloon sort of yeah. makeshift thing, and she was, like, working out with him to try and... I, I'm, I'm, I think it might have been that scene. Well, Joe doesn't go up the vent. I might not have been that scene then. That's Rebeck. You know, the yes. other girl, you misogynist. There was another woman in this. Did you notice? I know, because the, <laughs> the episode told me that there was another girl. There's another girl over there. Why didn't you just go cry on her shoulder, Joe? Maybe a shoulder to cry on, Joe. Fuck. Um, Yikes. Yeah, it's weird. Because at the start of the episode, 
like she can't she doesn't know where the scanner is you know when she hears the what's that the plants pissing oh, on the TARDIS yeah, it's grim, and then she's looking around the TARDIS trying to find the switch to switch the scanner on yeah. she can't find, quite find it she's just scanner 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 and then at the very end, she miraculously <laughs> flicks the scanner switch to Earth from Scarrow. Like, yeah, yeah, I know where that is. I know where to find Earth on here. In the control room? Yeah. In, in the city? In, no, in the TARDIS, in the console room at the end. The very end I scene. I thought, the Doctor does that. Yeah, well, the Doctor puts it and he says, look, Joe, there's Scarrow. Any regrets? Or regrets. And she says, no, no, there's only one place I want to go yeah, right now. And she Earth. leans over and switches it to Earth. As mm. if, like, there's a spinny button that's like, Earth? Yeah, Scarrow. Like, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I just thought that was that's a bit odd. Like, how on Earth does that happen? And the and the, the falling in love thing. Oh, it's not hardly a falling in love, is it? Well, uh, they, ha- they like, look at each other's hand for a moment. They, well, as soon and as they, they meet, they're holding hands, aren't they? Yeah, it's like, this is how you, you shake hands. It means, yeah, like, Rebecca knows that kissing on the cheek is, like, a wave goodbye and stuff. She would, wouldn't she? Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not it's not a love thing. At the end, he's like, oh, do you want to come back to Scarrow with me? And she's like, I've got my own things, thank you. And then he just part, and he doesn't even really seem phased. It's like, all right. Uh, yeah, bollocks Yeah, it's weird, yeah, because it's just for some says, Joe to come do. Come back with me, yeah. Oh, I can't. I'm sorry, Latep. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> uh, bollocks to that. It's not it nothing to do with law. All right, fuck off then, Joe. Thanks, Doctor, for all you've done. Joe? Uh, it's, uh, at least the first episode is very weak for Joe. Um, I, I'm i not sure where TARDIS is. It was by a statue. Yeah. By some bits of statue. Oh, she Honestly, she's like a little child. I th- I do the brain like age Joe. of a little child in the wow. first episode. Not her as the, the actor, actress. I think she's lovely. Oh, Katie Manning's lovely. She, and she's, she's so lovely. lovely on Twitter as well. We, she hasn't tweeted us, but whatever. She will. She w- I'll make sure of it. I'll make a <laughs> fake account just mm. to, you know. Um, but no, yeah, she tweets people back and all sorts on Twitter and she does those messages of like, you know, everybody be happy. And she's lovely. Um, One thing... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I, I adore this story, and I think you, you and oh, everybody can, knows. So, can I just carry on with Joe a little bit? Go on, um, just with the child thing. Go on then. But I thought she was like very childlike because she even got those mittens on, didn't she? Yeah, little, little diddy mittens, and the constant clueless expressions. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, it's strange. Mm. Not a massive fan of Joe, at least in this episode. I've heard she's quite good, though. I do, yeah, I do like Joe. She gets a good run as well. Is she? Yeah. One thing, I'm because I think you probably know, and everybody listening probably knows what I'm going to rate this. Oh, wrap it up, all right. No, no, no. I was going to say. So I think it's best for me to sort of focus on the things that I didn't like. Or not didn't like, the things that are a bit more questionable. Yeah. Just because... I think the sun shines out of the story's ass. So, you know. When the Doctor gets rescued by the Thals and they drag him out of the TARDIS, he doesn't know who they are, who they are yet. And uh, Taron says, we're from a planet many systems from here. And he goes, yes, you're Thals! 
Like yeah. how 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 would you get that? We're from a planet. <gasps> Scaro. Maybe accent clothes. Yeah, but the th- all we've seen the we've seen the thals before. They're not and they don't any... look Oh I like don't know them. I've no idea. You know. They're blonde. Unless but... he just knows the language they're speaking. Yeah, but they're, they're speaking English, aren't they? It's because hard of the to translate, but though. the doctor doesn't know that. The doctor is getting that translated. Oh, I always thought it was well. a thing where because he goes on about how he can speak any language. Oh yeah, but oh, well. so what's the point of the TARDIS? Can just do it for all four? And is that why he can speak any language, or can he actually speak any language? He actually can probably. Matt Smith can speak baby and horse. Mm, yeah, he can. Um, Weber's a pain in the ass. Prentice Hancock playing Weber. He's just... He's such a dick. Is he, he's not the commander, is he? He's the one who's like always saying, Why are we on, here? Come on, Taron! Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Why are we standing here when we should be attacking? Yeah. Oh, come on. One attack! One attack! And there's a... Take the bombs and destroy the Daleks! Flasks. Come on! Flasks. Yeah, take the flasks. Red Firmus flasks. Um, um, bit of a... He's just there. He's typecast. Prentice Hancock is always typecast in everything he's in. Oh. Like, he's just as this sort of dickhead. Oh. Why? Just, I think he's just the actor. Like, the way he plays it, sort of pulls it, he pulls it off. Um, We have to squeeze one of them in there somewhere. Um, And, like I say, I think the cliffhanger's great. You said that as well about the Dalek reveal at the end. Mm? Daleks! It's a great effect. It's not a great cliffhanger, though. Wow! Well, no, yeah, we know it's Planet of the Daleks. Everyone knows, and the Doctor. I don't... Who? You know what? Actually, the end of episode one of this is very similar to uh, the end of Oxygen. Where who's he talking to? The Thals. I guess, yeah, he's talking to the Thals. That's, that's where his surprise would be. By the way, it's the Daleks, and it has to go... He doesn't speak like that. No. How does Pertwee say... How does Pertwee say... He's got a bit of a lisp, hasn't he? Anyway... <laughs> Episode two. At this point, I really noticed that Dudley's score for this is lovely. Didn't hear it. Really? I, I was surprised how little music God, there was. There's some gorgeous stuff in here. There's a lovely ostinato thing when they're walking through the uh, tunnels of the city. It's another one of my favourite bits. It's lovely. There's some timpani hits with a little synth ostinato over the top and rising bass lines for tension building. It's lovely. Honestly, mm. it's like this story. If you were going to teach somebody like how to write for film or write for TV, mm. in like for GCSE music, oh. like not to like say it's crap because mm. it isn't, you know. Mm. But if you were going to say to somebody, like, right, when you want tension, this is what you need to do. You need upward motion. You need an ostinato figure that repeats itself over and over again. It well, that isn't what an ostinato is, but you know what I mean. It's just, it's textbook things you should be doing. It's brilliant. It's so good. Dudley Simpson is Doctor Who. He clenches his fist and points it to the sky. I I was, I wrote it down like I didn't really hear much of the music. I was quite surprised. Quite a few scenes where there's there's no music whatsoever where I thought there should be. It usually is. Yeah. I don't, uh, maybe you should rewatch it again. Let's pause here, and you can go, no. We meet um, 
the asthmatic Wester, Roy Skelton. What do you think of Wester? Wester? Yeah. Um, He's got a lovely lovely fleece, hasn't he? Aye. Lovely purple fleece. Aye. He does, he does that, yeah. yeah. Um, Wester, why is he helping Joe? Just because... Uh, plot reasons. Uh, it's his own voice, doesn't have any... That it is just Roy that, Skelton yeah. doing that, yeah. And it sounds so much like Roy Skelton. It sounds like Zippy or George. I can't uh, think which one it is. Now, yeah, it's, Zippy, isn't it? He, he talks very mm. through, like through the the top of his mouth. Mm. <sighs> I think it's it's really memorable though. Like it freaked me out as a kid. Mm. So you can't see him as well. It, he just, he's, he's invisible. He's pouring bowls into bowls into bowls chocolate into bowls to chocolate, into bo- to chocolate to chocolate. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in episode two where uh, I think it's where the doctor and Taron like part ways with their plans or something um, and they give him a handshake and it's the most awkward handshake I've ever seen in my life <laughs> they like they're both them class and they both gaze into each other's <laughs> eyes and wait for like a good ten seconds <laughs> before they part ways <coughs> it's very strange this, oh it's brilliant I love this story it Mm. When you know when um, when the Daleks uh, go up to the spaceship, the Thal spaceship is great as well. Like I'm assuming that's a prop, like a the silver a prop thing that they can film in. Like so, when we see it from the outside, the one where they thought Joe was locked in there, yeah, and the Daleks blow up, yeah, yeah. Well, that I'm I'm assuming that that spaceship, the prop outside is the mm. same prop, but when we're inside it. I think so. It is a room. I think so. They go I'm, assume, I'm assuming it is a, a caravan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. like a big silver caravan they can film in. I don't know. I, I really liked it in there, though. Yeah, I thought the tech design was lovely. It, it's weird. That it seemed uh, very much like what we would think of as futuristic now. Uh, it's like nothing in that minimalist. Yeah, um, but lived in. It's I seen- really appreciate that when future. Isn't just minimalist. It's lived in minimal, 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 uh, they were busy, weren't they? They were out doing something. Busy. They're so busy that he's got cobwebs. That's been months that they've been there. And they've just left it, just leave Steve there. Like he they, no, they must have been somewhere else in the meantime for a while. They couldn't have just camped there because they knew the invisible things were there. So, they, well, they're there, aren't they? Because they know the Daleks are there. Is yeah. that why they're on the planet? Uh, they were. I think they were trying to scout out that broken Dalek, weren't they? Well, Is that the reason? Or they just because how would they find it if it was invisible? They must have been tracking so it somehow. The Thals, do you know who the Thals are? I know the Thals. Who like they live on Scarrow. Yeah, so they're yeah. the other race they're on the peaceful, peaceful race. They which are. is ironic, really, because they've come to destroy the Daleks, and because the Daleks come from Scarrow. Yeah, and surely the Daleks would conquer Scarrow before moving out anywhere you else. You Think so, wouldn't you? So the Thals Unless are like they're slaves. Well, yeah, but then they won't be... How they're fine. Would, yeah. Unless they're that peaceful, the Dark's like, you know what? And then the Doctor... Well, I'm not going to go into Remembrance of the Daleks, but it's... 
the Thals are obviously still on Scarrow. Yeah, and they want to still, go home. And there's still Daleks on Scarrow. Yeah. So why do the Daleks not sort Scarrow out before thinking, you know, one step, a step at a time here. Come on. They're thick. <laughs> thick. They must be. Just thick. So I think maybe he does it better. Well, I, I want to put the point, I know we're skipping to the end now, but um, only at this point. So they seem quite fine. The Doctor seems quite fine with letting that Supreme Dollar just go. Where New Who, the Doctor would never let even one dollar go if he if he had the choice. Mm. Like because he, he knows that they will go colonize somewhere else and then destroy what God knows what. I love that about New Who. Yeah, they have it because they. I think they're one of the only monsters in Doctor Who where off screen you know they're up to no good. Do you know what I mean? Yes, but yeah. Cybermen don't really have that. Si- you know they're there somewhere, but you know the, the Daleks are, are constantly something. conquering the yeah. universe. And it's just when they choose to crop up in the Doctor's life, not when he mm. chooses. I like that. Well, getting back to the Daleks mm. in this story, you know the scene where the Daleks destroy the Thal spaceship and yeah. the Doctor thinks that Joe's inside, so he stops them. And the horrible effect with the... Little See, tendrils coming out there. Everybody, a lot of people hate this Dalek sound effect of the gun. I th- I love it. No Whether it's it. just because everybody, I think people say it's too musical. Can't really remember it. I'm terrible with remembering sound. I th- I I really like it. Insert I, here. Yeah, can I? Uh, it's this one, isn't it? Is it that one? Yeah. It's all right. I like it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's different. No, it's very. <laughs> what is that? Watery. It's a what's aquatic. Aquatic. That's it's... it. Very aquatic, <laughs> uh, especially those little tentacles coming out of the blaster. Oh, that always ha- That's uh, that always happens in. No, I know. I never liked it. Oh right. <laughs> it creeps me out. I don't know. What... Do you know how Matt Lucas creeps you out? Yeah. <laughs> that creeps me out. Nice. Um, Aye. Aye. Um, we get the Doctor and Codal scene about Lovely. courage. It's well written as you, well. It's one of those things as well. When the scene starts, you think Pertwee's going to be a dick mm. because he says, "Oh, what does Codal say that I didn't want to be the odd one out?" And then Pertwee sort of puts his hands in his his face in his hands and he goes, <laughs> "And you think, oh God, here mm. we go." But it's lovely. It's mm. such a lovely scene. And it's played so well. Mm. Like they're both great. It's his first. Uh, what's the actor's name? Of. Uh, Kirtle. What's his? Codal. Tim Priest. Is it Kirtle? Kirtle. 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 I put Kirtle. <laughs> Kirtle. <laughs> Kirtles. Codal. Codal. So what's his? Tim act- Priest. Tim Priest. It's his first. Proper serious role, I think. Is it? Mm. He's he's done. I think he's a good actor. Yeah. Well, he wanted. Uh, I watched. I listened to a bit of the commentary. Mm. And oh, is he on the commentary for this? Yeah. And two things he said. One was, "My son looks like me when I was that age." <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was that it was his first. Uh, yeah, serious role. Not like this was his first big role mm. in like a uh, big production, but just like serious. Not f- comedic in any way, stuff like that. Mm. So he wanted to try. I think he did a great job. I think he's great. I think I think most of the cast are good in this. To be fair, you got Taron no, Bernard Horsfall. Most, yeah. 
Most, yeah. We all know one. That's shite. Ta- uh, Bernard Horsfall's great as Taron. He's been in Doctor Who quite a few times. Um, plays Time Lord. He's in the Mind Mind Robber. He's in it a couple of times. Mm. Weber, Prentice Hancock. He comes back in Doctor Who as well. Can't think what. I can't think what he comes back in. Gone. Codal, uh, Tim Priest. I think he's good. Rebeck, Jane Howe. I think she's pretty good. She's all right. I think the only ones that let it. I'm oh, not even let it down really. Um, a Marit and Latter. Marit just gets killed off. There's no point in Latter is is he the one right? The Joe when they're going through that the Joe tunnels falls in love with. No, Marit no. is the one behind looking at her ass. The whole looking at Jane <laughs> ass. Yeah. Uh, I thought Rebecca was pretty poor. I think she's pretty nice. She's nice, but she's she's got lovely hair. All right. <laughs> um, I got a fun fact about her as well. She was in EastEnders. Aye. Yeah. And she said that when she was filming the scene where the I think it was her first scene that she did in this story where the Dalek is rolled down to the water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know this? Oh, isn't this have a how to how to react? Yeah, no one told her anything. <laughs> just said, right, you're gonna push the thing down. Look surprised. Yeah. Or something like that. And then her reaction's just like a bit miffed. Mm. And then Joe's is like what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh <wow. laughs> Um That's a lovely scene that as well. The quarry stuff is brilliant. I'm just not a fan of how they talk, they take out Daleks in this. How easy it is just to, it just defeats all the purpose of making the Daleks scary. They're the most evil, terrifying, dangerous well, I think the Dal- aliens in all I the universe. The, yeah, the Daleks are very different in New Who. They're not very different. They're just sort of a bit more like tanks, which they should New be. Who. They're so teched out as well. Yeah, because they have they have tech that should rival Time Lords. Uh, sort of, yeah. But well, the, well, the whole Time War thing. I suppose. Yeah, but then Joe can just go behind. Yeah, I know it's written for New Who, but still, they're quite a formidable foe, aren't they? For, Do- mm. for Doctor Who, Steve Moffat would say. <laughs> um, I just hate how Joe can just go behind them, hug them, and how they're tackling them like rugby, and it's gross. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Oh, we do get um, the hiding in the Dalek thing. Hate that as well. Hate it. How can you just open a... Well, that's happened in... Open a lid of a Dalek, have a look at its bits and just jump in. I know it's happened before, isn't it? It's happened in New Who as well, hasn't it? Um... With Clara getting in the Dalek. Oh, you're not that far in, no? No. Okay. Yeah. I'd uh, like to see how it's done. It's happened a, a few times. It happens in the Daleks. It happens in the chase where the well say it happens in the chase uh, is it the chase no space museum where the doctor gets in the da- in the dalek as a joke mm. space museum must be um i'm not a fan of it it doesn't bother me it's hard to reduce a villain to its you know crappiest form where the hero just gets inside it like it's nothing and it can just play the villain then it's crap i don't like that at all mm. to me daleks are <laughs> the worst of the worst because they're always revered to be I know as time went on it became a little bit of a joke because they're just used so much um, mm. but I do think the first episode where Daleks featured in New Who did wonders for Daleks Daleks fantastic is great. yeah it's a great episode so, great right. story um, back to this um, 
when the, the, there's so many scenes in this like when I was when I was younger mm. I used to know like all the lines of this story like I could practically no. like read along with it and one of the ones that stuck in my mind stuck in my mind so much that I've had to write it down mm. um, is the scene with Wester's bowls and he says you've been infected by the fungoids fungoids what, what the fuck are the fungoids <laughs> it sounds horrible though doesn't it yeah do you want, we're just gonna stick some fungoids yeah. up your ass, <laughs> hey? <laughs> Sit back and relax. It won't take a second. The fungoids. Um, then there's a couple of things. There's a few things that let this down. One, the Dalek control room. I I've got a question. Go on. So you know when Joe's in there and she's pressing some buttons, trying to yes. get in. Are you going to say about communication? the switch? Like how are they pressing the switch? How, how do they do that? Well, I'm assuming it's suckers, isn't it? <laughs> because, as you know from Dalek, they suck yeah. with their sucker. But it's a button inside a circle. It is. It, it, so like it, it, may, it depressed. It doesn't matter, does it? No, well, you know. Um, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm guessing it's, it's like just the Daleks or... built that for Joe to push. So yeah, that's probably. quite nice of them, isn't it? But I do think it's very crap. Control room. Yeah, it's very bland. There's What's this about city? I didn't see it. Well, it's the the Dalek city is that, isn't it? It's There's like, a massive cave with all the toys in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It looked great, by the way. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. It, I, it doesn't bother me that it's toys. I didn't know at first. Well, I obviously knew they could They look a bit odd, don't they? I think. The first shot that they keep reusing yeah. of that cave where it's, it's like an extreme wide shot and mm. you see all of them, I thought it's, it looked really cool. Mm. I'd love that printed. I like it when it floods as well. The proper toys then, but yes. I like it. Uh, sloppy ice. See, this is this is one thing, isn't it? Molten ice. Mm. Now, <laughs> it's an alien planet. Let, should I Google molten? Okay, so molten is fused or liquefied by heat. Now, <laughs> ice. <laughs> yeah. Is very cold, isn't it? I've heard. So, and they say in it, don't they, that it's a form of ice that never gets hard. That's water. Um, it's a great idea. It's another one of those things that don't think it's about like it. It's like liquid nitrogen. Mm. <laughs> it's odd. It is one of those things, isn't it? That don't think about it too much, and it's fine. Yeah, I didn't think about it too much. You know, it's. It's just. Call, I wish they called it something different. Molten ice. Yeah, I, ice cano. It's a great picture. It, they do say mm. ice cano as well, don't they? Mm. And ice Did caves. But Apparently, the, the, those ice caves were spoiling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do look warm, fuck. but they do Ugh, quite a good I'm job. I'm quite at... cold. Apparently, <laughs> 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 oh. boiling. I now. imagine it would be. Those suits look yeah. warm anyway. And being cramped in a space with Jane Howe's ass, mm. <coughs> it's going to be hot in Whoa. there. Isn't it? Oh no! Aye, uh, but yeah, the the whole ice thing. What? At first, I couldn't quite understand why the Daleks have got a fridge as well. Because you know the the refrigerator room it's where to... they escape through the ventilation. Yeah, I'm assuming it's to keep the ice, keep the temperature constant. Yeah, or so, like ramp it up and ramp it down because when they 
it's when they push the Dalek the... into the water, yeah. it gets killed because it's cold instantly. Yeah. Whereas I'm guessing the fridge gradually cools them down to yeah. put them to sleep rather than kill them. That's what the fridge is for. Yeah. Right. Well, and to keep all those Daleks, uh, the Dalek army hibernated. That's what they're all there for. They're all hibernated, aren't they? Mm. While they sus uh, invisibility. Yes. So that's what the fridge is for, isn't it? I would, Keep I would it all cool. cool. Yeah. I hate that scene, by the way, where they go up in a blimp or whatever it is. A blimp. Hot air balloon, whatever The hot air balloon shit. thing. It doesn't bother me. Knew who wouldn't do that. Knew who would not do that. Really? It's just a shit idea. It's a bit far-fetched. It is, isn't it? Like, it wouldn't work. And it doesn't work on screen either. I, d- I disagree. I think it does work on screen. If it's tarpaulin. Uh, yeah, but it... I get, yeah, it's nice that they're all going up and their feet... That's pretty it's cool. It's a bit Willy Wonka. It, that's all I was thinking the whole time. Uh, I was like, this is crap, isn't it? But, um... Fuck me, it takes ages for those Daleks to get through that door as well. Uh, they're very... Just slowly ramming the door. Yeah. Like... Bang. And then again, when they make a barricade. Oh, yeah, you're just... Bang. Yeah. Bang. Bang. Fine. I don't like this. It's like if you can't, they did it well. To be fair, I'll, I'll take that back. But let's think of a different idea how to escape. A more clever idea how to escape. Intelligent. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, let's talk about the dark's voices as well. It's strange hearing them take breaths. <laughs> yeah, it's very quick, but yeah, I like it. I think I I really like the Dalek voices in this. Really, really, I I think Michael Wisher is a is one of the best Dalek voices. It, it just sounded very similar to Neil, although he knew who, but it, they would have been inspired by. Well, yeah, Wisher. Nicholas Briggs. It's Nick Briggs that does yeah. all the Dalek voices. In I don't know why, don't it know makes why. it consistent. I give it that. You know, the Daleks all. Yeah. They, but I do think they could they could do with two people doing it. They fluctuate the. Um... He d- he does a good job of varying the pitch, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's and... what I mean. Yeah, but it's still it just it sounds like Nicholas Briggs doing it. It's like he sounds like the Cybermen every time because it's his voice. Yeah, and no matter how whatever you do with the ring mod, the the timbre the, mm. of his voice mm. is still there. You can't mask his pronunciation. You can't mask yeah, like the way he sounds. So it always sort of sounds like him. Which I think Old Who does better by having different people doing the voices every now and again. Except in one episode of Note, which is dreadful that we won't get into. Not in this story. A different story. I thought you said he'd use a screwdriver in this story. He does. When? Uh, when he's... Uh, doing the door when they're trying to get out of the I missed that and when he shows the sonic screwdriver when he tells Codal to empty his pockets no oh. oh I was waiting for it as well it's never spot I didn't know what I was looking for to be honest <laughs> he got a screwdriver out at one point yeah um it was I think it was Joe's little yeah that's the yeah. thing yeah it's not his screwdriver though it generally is just a green screwdriver isn't it no no he's got the sonic screwdriver because he gets it out and shows it. It's just and a screwdriver. And then he asks for a screwdriver. Oh, but then he has an actual screwdriver. Yeah. Fuck's the point in that. It is. It's <laughs> stupid, isn't it? So the Daleks go mad when the Doctor and Codal escape. 
They go absolutely berserk. Ape, yeah. Why? Because they don't know it's the were... doctor at that point. No, but they were, in, they were there for interrogation. Yeah, but they've escaped. They're in the lowest, like one of the lowest levels of the city. Yeah. And there's one door. There's an elevator. Yeah, but there's one door out of the city. Like yeah. the main door. And there's two Daleks guarding it. Yeah. Oh, but they never they never move. Those there's nobody in no. those Daleks, and that's that's a real letdown in this story that those two Daleks that are sort of yeah. guarding the main entrance never move anything. Like just put somebody in it and move the head, just to watch them follow them in. Mm. Like both like. Oh, it's have like little light bulbs now and again. Like yeah, chatting. just nothing. Yeah. Mm. What time you on tail? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that was a, that's an odd choice. Um, you know, oh, when they escape and then they're in the lift, I always used to shit myself as a kid. When? But you know, when they're when Codal and the Doctor are escaping in the lift. Yeah. And then they open the level, oh, like get to another level, and the doors open, and there's a Dalek right there. That reaction's really good. Fuck me, he yeah. used to shit me up as a kid. That no. day. Oh, to God, like, uh-huh. oh my God, it's right there. Yeah. Then he gets. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, the ice scenes in the uh, the tunnels, brilliant. Uh, shot, like you said, with building tension with the music. I thought it's how you shoot closed in scenes like that, because the camera's got enough room to move um, to get some variation in shots. Because the worst thing is when they're traveling through caves like that, it always looks the same. Yeah. It's like how can you show that they're traveling through this cave? It all looks the same. But you got some nice paths there. You've got the glue. <laughs> it looks like glue. It looks like um, icing sugar to me. Yeah, yeah, it does. It? Yeah. It's slightly grey off. Ice, yeah. Um, really good decision there. It's shot in Ealing Studios, I think. Yeah, all yeah, all Doctor Who uses Ealing quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's a lovely way of doing it. Yeah, it's brilliant. And they don't do that. I haven't seen that. You know, that Caves of Anjazani. Mm. They do it in a completely different way of doing tunnels. Yes, and this one works a lot better. This is brilliant. This is one of those things that I think, even if you don't like the story, the ice tunnel thing mm. is very memorable because mm. it's done so well and acted really well. When they're in the tunnel, yeah, it's not. I think because they want to, they literally want to get out of that tunnel because it's, it's so sweltering here. <laughs> so yeah, when Joe goes to the Dalek control panel after she's been smuggled in by Wester. And yeah. she gets out of her box, and she goes over to the controls and just starts pressing stuff. Yeah. How does she know she's not going to just unleash Armageddon? She's like, very good at pushing buttons, isn't she? She just presses all of the buttons, hoping, and then she gets she a does. sort of... She does as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Just I don't know what all press, those buttons press, do. Press, press, press. Nothing, it imploded nothing, five nothing, Daleks. Nothing, but... nothing, <laughs> nothing. Armageddon. Planet destroyed. Last recorded message. Thank you. That's brilliant. So, I mean, she has those... Weird odd bits in the story where she's a genius. <clears throat> I don't know. So episode four, when they escape up the shaft. Yeah. And then Joe is on the surface with the bombs and she ups the timers and very... Uh, this isn't Katie, Man- it's Katie Manning's strongest acting performance bit here that you can tell she knows that that polystyrene rock is going to fall. He's noticed that. Mm. As she turns the timer and she's like that. Oh, and then it hits her and brains her because it would it would brain you wouldn't it like what do you mean? well she wouldn't wake up from that a rock <laughs> that falling fall on, on your head. head yeah you know brain you yeah. 
The jungle gets quite a bad rap. Why? Well, the only thing I could think of is it's not... the, the black floor. Like, it's on a stage. It Yeah, but it's not uh, a wooden floor, is it? They've put something. There's, like, felt, isn't there? Yeah. It's just, just a bit of up. a shame, because they've put a lot of work into that jungle. A lot of it's real, isn't it? The plants. They're all... Uh, they're mostly real yeah. plants, aren't they? I think... From a shop that sells... Um, plant life to TV shows for that called Greenery. Wow. Yeah. What a lovely bit of knowledge there. Did you know that? I do now. I do now. <laughs> I don't think it's the best jungle in Who, but it's pretty good. What else about the jungle, though? I, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty good. They could have had some wildlife. Well, they sort of do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, the plants, but... Well, no, they get the eyes at night, don't they? By the plane of stones. I like the idea of the eyes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah the effect yeah. is pretty cool. Let's shoot at them. Other came back. Shoot at them some more. Oh. And then the doctor picks up the torch. Says, "This yeah, will work." Yeah. yeah. And then the guy says, "Oh, don't use too much because we need to keep the fire lit all night." He says, "That's our main priority. Keep the fire lit." And he's waving the stick around. Using the what? I don't. I don't understand. It's a dodgy ass scene. That dodgy, dodgy yeah. scene. And judging by how clumsy the Daleks are, when we cut back into the Dalek city and we see the biological, chemical, uh, fungus, uh, bacteria. But what am I trying to say? Mm-hmm. Bacteriological. How do you say it? Bacteriological uh, tank. You know that's some for some reason the lab is right opposite the control room. Yeah. How clumsy are those Daleks? And the only thing that is keeping that the bacteria in there is a perspex lid balanced on the top. <laughs> and at the end scene, you know when Wester sacrifices himself, mm. there's a Dalek that's like just tapping it. Like yeah. careful, careful. Like why is it not in some sort of sealed room? I know it is a sealed room, but why is it in the control room? Ease of access. Yeah, but surely it'd make more sense for you to just put that bit of the set somewhere else and pretend it's a different level. That's what um, pulled me from the idea that it's a city. Mm. It's two rooms and an elevator. Uh, the corridors look great, though. Corridor. The corridor. The corridor. Uh, it's a nice corridor. Lovely corridor. Lovely corridor. Uh, well, I'd love to mop that. The worst bit of the story for me. Hey. Where they all meet up with the new uh the new Thals who've suddenly landed to warn about the ten thousand Daleks. And Joe tells the Joe tells the doctor that she's hidden the bombs. Hmm. And then <laughs> the doctor says, Why don't you go and you know you go and get the bombs and we'll go and do other things and then two meters away. <laughs> yeah. Here they are. Yes, I've hidden them. They're here. Well, Heck yeah, yeah. It makes no sense that she wouldn't have just sort of said, yeah, they're here. To the uh, oh, yeah, got right. What did you do with the bombs, Joe? I've hidden them. <laughs> you know, right behind the back. They're so close. Um, episode five. Uh, we just talked about the creatures on the plane of stones, haven't we? Um... Uh, uh, you know when Wester comes to the Plain of Stones? Joe! And the Doctor goes to absolutely lamp him. 
Spider that Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Doctor, it's Wester. Whack. Dum. Why would the doctor do that? Just because it's a Spyridon and they're working for the Daleks, aren't they? Slaves? Spyridon slaves. Yeah. Spyridon slaves, as the Daleks just keep saying. All right, we get it that we're suppressed. Sorry to go back on episode four, but there is a bit where Taron has a right go at Rebecca for him loving her. Yeah. Why would you love you? Yeah. Why would you do that? How inconvenient that is for me. Yeah. Oh, it's dick. (laughs) What's that got to do with Rebecca? It's not my fault. And she properly apologises as well. I'm so sorry. It's the 70s, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's the 70s. Um, Episode 5, the dummy Daleks are very obvious in this story because there's more and more Daleks that start to appear in the control room and uh, Mm, that are just hanging about. And I think there's only three moving Daleks, isn't there, at any one time. But I didn't really notice. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's three... Well, yeah, there's three operators, mm. so there's only three moving Daleks. Mm. And in one scene, I think there's 12 Daleks. No, there's got to be more than that, because I think they made 10 dummy props for this. Of fully nothing. wooden Daleks that don't do anything. Mm. So... Yeah. Um, I thought it was quite... Yeah, I didn't. I really didn't pick up on that. There was only three moving no, at one yeah. time. The Daleks then start to get their AstraZeneca shots, don't they, against the the disease? The the disease was the only bit of the story where I was like, I'm clueless towards it. What's it for? Well, it's to kill all the plant life yeah, on the planet. I get that. Why? I don't know. They wanna they've come to Spyridon. So have they come to Spyridon to study invisibility, or have they come to Spyridon because of the ice thing? The way I'd like to think about it. Is that they came to Spyridon because, one, it was convenient for the ice thing that they could keep all their army, you know, hibernated. Um, Two, it's another planet to kill. Mm. And then eventually they found out about the Spyridons and how invisible they were. And so they built a city there. Mm. That's what I thought. I'm not quite sure. uh, When they leave, they will use that bioweapon. To kill all life, so no one else can use that invisibility. Ah, uh, maybe. Well, from I, I think I've seen this story like fifty times now. Mm. It's like something ridiculous. I think, or I'm assuming, the Daleks come just for the invisibility, right? Because the Thals say, don't they, that they're here to study the Spiridons? Yeah. So I'm assuming they've come to study the spiders and thought, shit, there's a massive fridge here. Chuck a couple of... Bring them down. Bring them down. Bring what What down? All of the, all the Daleks. Chuck them in this fridge. Freeze them. We'll get them jabbed. They'll be ready. Off they can go. Invisible Daleks. Oh, I see. And that is really a missed trick, I think, with this story. That the whole invisibility thing, it would have been nice to see more invisible Daleks. One. And he's deactivated. Yeah. Pointless. It's, well, because I think that would have been a great threat. Yeah. Where That's you know. What, yeah. And what you, you don't have to do anything. No. You haven't got anybody in. You know. You haven't got to push it's it lovely. down the ground. They can do anything. Uh, they, they they do this as well. They cast the shadows of the Daleks come around the corner quite often. Oh, it's in the car brilliant. Room. It is. You can see it waiting, waiting mm. until the character's gone. Then it starts moving. <laughs> I like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, just doing stuff like that. I don't. It wouldn't make any sense. But if they were invisible, but you could see their shadows. Mm. Wouldn't get any sense, but 
I don't know. It'd be a thing, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. And they use quite a lot of the colour C... CSO. CSO. Yeah. It's done um, quite well in this. It's done very well. Yeah. I thought that's what it was leading up to. Like, the Daleks, invisible. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You'd have thought that they would have used it a bit more. Um, well, There's a lot of memorable things in this story. The quarry, especially, for me. Why? It's just very Doctor Who. Like, this story... This story, and especially season 10, when I think of Doctor Who, although the season is not my favourite season, it sort of embodies everything that I think of as Doctor Who. Mm. is like in this season. Quarry. Shite. No, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's got the quarries, it's got Daleks, it's got the master, Cyberman. cannibal monsters. That's per- per- we never gets a Cyberman story. That's sad, isn't it? It is sad. That is a heinous crime. The, well, yeah, the scene in the quarry is also the cover of the Dalek, um, the yeah. Target book. Like, uh, that's the, the cover of the book. Taron and the Doctor. Uh, it's, yeah, it's on the front of the DVD as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. There's also, there's a point as well in this story where, well, in this story, in this episode, where I think the Daleks have sounded an alarm and a Dalek absolutely Bombs across the set. <laughs> Did you notice this? No. From like behind, it's from behind. It's behind the control desk, and it's pointing like as if it's going to go past the like lab. Mm. So like where the door of the lab is, you can go straight through into like behind the control panel, mm. and it absolutely bombs. Why? It does like twenty mile an hour. No they, way. Honest to God, there must be like four people going. <laughs> just absolutely it bombs it why I've no idea it honestly there mustn't be anybody in it because it flies yeah. you'd shit yourself it's if wood you were on wheels it. it's alright don't worry we'll push you are you ready three what? two jeez <laughs> <laughs> <Like, geez. Yeah. laughs> his tongue is touching the back of his head like wow. there's that many jeez but that was that was slightly odd that was slightly odd um, oh, and Wester sacrifices himself. I like Wester. It's Why? a very memorable. It's it's so memorable, and Wester's very memorable because of those cloaks. Those purple cloaks Fuck. are like ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. What's the cheapest material? Have you got green? No, but we've got purple. No one likes purple. How much have you got? Tons of it. Oh, you can have it for a fiver. All right then. It's very memorable though. Yeah. Like those purple cloaks. What a lovely cloak. I don't know <clears throat> how they survived that long. Horrible, nasty jungle and then the bright purple cloaks. <laughs> they sp- <laughs> stick out like a sore thumb. Well, I'm assuming the Spiridons don't wear cloaks. I think that is something for the Daleks to see them, isn't it? No, it's to keep them warm in the cold nights. That's what they say. Oh, is it? Yeah. Have you watched this? Have I ever seen the planet of the da- the planet of the Dalek? It just why be invisible and then put something on to make you visible? I don't know. It's generally just keeping warm at night. Oh right, okay. I don't know. Pass. Episode six. Uh, we get the escape by Whisker's Dalek. Whisker's not who? Whisker. Wester. Wester isn't a slave. No, he's. I but think he he's just has escaped, a cloak. Doesn't he? Oh, so he's got a lovely cloak. Episode six. You get the escape by the Dalek that we've already spoken about. The toy Daleks. Um, what do you think of the Dalek Supreme spaceship? Good effect, <clears throat> isn't it? I think it's great. I don't think you need to update with that with CGI. That gets a lot of bad rap. 
CGI. Spa- no, the spaceship. Why? Because it's a dog bowl. I piss off with stuff like that. It's so think, much Noel well, who is I'm obviously sure, objects. From what I remember, the, it's a dog bowl. The, <laughs> this um, the Dalek spaceship was done by the prop designer's son, like six-year-old son, who made the prop. Really? Out of just like a silver dog. That's bowl impressive. I couldn't do that. Silver do- I wouldn't have a fucking it clue clean, where to start. It? It's great. Can't wait for my Cyberman head to come. Oh. Um. And then we see the Dalek Supreme. Taller, isn't he? Fucking brilliant. Yeah, I like him. I was thinking, like, why are all the Daleks so short in this? Is it because the Dalek Supreme... Is he bigger, or is he the normal size of a Dalek, but the other Daleks are smaller in this episode? Do you know what? I can't remember. The Daleks are not smaller. They are this size. Pertwee's big. He's a tall tall man. I don't know how tall Pertwee is. He's quite tall. I think six foot four. Six foot four? Bollocks. That's what he says. I'm five eleven and three quarters. I hate that when you put in John Pertwee and it's the first thing is like still alive, dead. <laughs> He's definitely <laughs> so like, dead. When did he die? Come on. Uh, please be like six foot something now. Please. I'm sure I imagine he's six foot. I wouldn't have thought he's that much taller. I'd like to think I'm taller. Oh, he's six foot two. Oh, I was out by f- t- two feet. God, what a tiny man! That's quite tall, isn't it? Yeah, I think six foot two. How tall are you? Six three. Four. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. What are you? You're only saying that because you're what? Go on. What do you think I am? Five eleven. Yeah. Three quarters. Yeah. Really. No. Um. But yeah, I, the, the the Daleks are the same size all the way through their run. They're they're a, mind you, I think they're slightly smaller in their first ever appearance. Maybe they're definitely bigger in invasion Dalek invasion of Earth mm. because they got the big bumpers. Mm. They, got, uh, they got the thick bumpers like those props there, <laughs> and then they go back to having the thin bumpers. Ooh, big thick chunky rubbers, and then they go back to having the thin rubbers. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember if the Supreme's taller. Actually, yeah, I think the Supreme has got that has got the thick rubber bottom, hasn't it? Yeah. So it, it will be taller. Right. Well, I know it's taller. Yeah, but the 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 main Daleks are standard size. Right. Okay. That's what. Okay. I, that's what I was getting. The Supreme one's pretty much the biggest new who Daleks, isn't he? I don't know. I, th- I don't know how big a new who pretty Dalek big. is. They seem to always be on level with someone's eye height. Perhaps everybody's short ass now. Tenant's quite long, isn't he? Quite long. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very well, long man. Billy Piper called him David Tennant. Episode six. Um, no, he, she did. Okay. Which is, I always used to think that's funny, but ten inches. All right. That's nothing to do with his height, is it? No, because he's not that. Anyway. <laughs> That's nothing to do with his height, is it, Billy? Is it, Billy? It's not, I was is saying it, Billy? that in school as well. <laughs> Luke, could you stop saying that now, please? It, was on, it was on a classified. Oh, God. Or an interview with Billy Piper. Maybe it's Jonathan Ross. Jo- Jonathan Ross, who's a lovely man, actually. I was, yeah, I was going to say. I yeah. met Jonathan, jo- me and Johnny. Mm. He was at a Comic-Con. He was pretty nice. 
he's probably a dick in real life. You know, normal, normal. Oh, like getting Mackie's drive-thru. Well, you know. I can't imagine being a cock in Mackie's drive-thru. Well, he's got a bit of a a, a, a dark past, doesn't he? But I reckon he's, he's when you go to that age, past 60, like... Anyway, episode <laughs> six of Planet of the Daleks. It... <sighs> It seems a big faff for the Thals. If the Thals are there to sort the Daleks out, why don't they just bomb the planet? Because they're peaceful. Yeah, but they're coming to destroy the Daleks. They're not. So why are they there? To just watch them? Yeah, they're going to conquer. No, they crash-landed. Yeah, but they're there to observe the spot the Daleks, aren't they? But they crash-landed and now they can't get off the planet. Are you sure it's to observe the Daleks? I think so. You think so? I think so. It doesn't sound that... Why would they observe them if they're already on their own planet? Mm. We've already said that the Daleks are shite at breaking through barriers. They're not great now. The Dalek Supreme looks great, but the lights are a bit... dodgy. They're poor. They're poor. They're very poor. Um, And they light up the screen like... Also, like at the very end scene when they're going to blow up... Well, let's say the very end. Where they're going to blow up the Dalek City... Joe and Lartep come down the ventilation shaft on a rope. How long is that rope? Like three miles? Because I'm sure the doctor says when they're going up on their hot air ballooning, Mm. he says, oh, it shouldn't be more than a couple of miles. But Lartep and Joe come down that shaft on a rope. Why are they going down it? To get into the Dalek City because they're going to bomb... Oh, yeah, they put the explosives down. explosives. How do they get out? Front door. See, this is another thing. Like after they've blown up or made the ice cane yeah. erupt into the ass, ass, and what do they call it? They keep saying it, don't they? As well. What do you call it? Where you keep your weapons? Arsenal. Arsenal. Ass. <laughs> your ass. What ass? <laughs> they. Yeah. How do how do they get out? I don't know. Do they have to go and find another bit of cloth and go back up the shaft? <laughs> <laughs> There's another one over here. Um, the ice eruption's great. Yeah. It's a shame that they're toys. But, but it could not have done a fleet of... Yeah, little models. The end scene, you know where they're all saying goodbye. It's a nice scene. Mm. But you can't help but think, well, that Dalek Supreme is going to be coming back for that ship any minute. And we're all faffing around saying goodbye here. Yeah. That's what I was thinking the whole time. I knew who would come never on, just leave on, a Dalek a bit left behind. On. Unless they had no choice. Well, I think they... Well, no, they don't assume that the Supreme... The Supreme will get out, I'm assuming, they they think. You'd hear the spaceship lift off, wouldn't you? Surely. Yeah, it's well, pretty the, close. The Supreme, You'd see it. The Supreme obviously knows that the spaceship has been taken. Mm. But are they aware that the Supreme got out of the city? Oh, yeah, they take the Supreme ship, don't they? Yeah. Which they know how to control. Well, they're Thals. They're from the same planet, so you'd you'd assume that their space technology is probably sort of the same. But it'd be all be catered for Dalek suckers. Well, if Joe can sucker That's true. the buttons, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, then we get, get to... Joe on it and she'll sort it. Just press any random shite. Yeah. You'll go right where you want to go. We get the... Bi- uh, the um... People love this scene. The what? Yeah, when they're saying like, I can't. I can't do Pertwee. When you go back, don't. Yeah, don't. Tell all you kids. It's all right. Wasn't great. People died. 
There you go. Uh, yeah, it's lovely. It's I nice. Think yeah, it's great. You know, he's sincere in that, wasn't he? I he's, liked it. Oh, he's great. He's great. I just wish he was telling it to someone else in a different story. Don't glamorize war. Um, Apart from in Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, we just we just. Forgetting that. It's like oxygen with capitalism. Yeah. We're just going to forget that Doctor Who loves glamorising war. It, it does. It does. Uh, we it, just... It has many complaints over its years of being very... Anyway. Um, All right, then. I know what you're trying to say, Pertwee, though. Yeah. It's lovely sentiment. He's Oh, Pertwee's great. And yeah. I, I there's a thing that I really like about Pertwee where whenever he's flying the TARDIS, he treats it like it's a sort of steam engine. Do you know, as they take off... He's like focusing on the time rotor and he moves really slowly mm, yeah. as if like one wrong move and it'll stall. Mm. He's got such a lovely way with stuff like that. Like he's a, he's great at that sort of physical stuff. Do you know why stuff. it makes that sound? Go on. When it lands. Go on. Do you know why? What? River Song says that the doctor's always got the brake on. Uh. Then we get the Dalek Supreme. He's a resilient yeah. little sod, isn't he? Dalek Saying Supreme. that they they're not defeated. The Daleks are never defeated. They're delayed, not delayed. defeated. Yeah, he's right. Well, well, except that every time they meet the Doctor, they're defeated. But we'll forget about that. Not every time. Oh. They always get away. Delayed. Delayed. They're never defeated. Not they're always defeated. delayed. So, um, yeah, and then we get the scene of Joe and the Doctor in the TARDIS, and Joe miraculously switches the switch mm. to Earth. And then they head back home to Blackpool. To Black every single time. So, so uh, Planet of the Daleks. Hey, what are you gonna do? What colour you gonna give us? Now, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I think you had that potential there. They had that potential with the Invisible Daleks. I thought that's what I was expecting. Um, Old who has this thing where classic who, where you say planet of something and it ends up just being a little corridor. <laughs> um, so I was underwhelmed watching it. Uh, the acting's hit and miss. The story's hit and miss. It's quite a bit of flab. Some of the, most of the effects are pretty good. To be fair, I quite liked it. Yeah. But there's just some weird choices that coincide with the effects, like the Charlie and Chocolate Factory bit. Um. I don't think I'd want to watch it again. I don't know. Um, and you're right, there's memorable moments in it, but not for any good reason. For me, anyway, the memorable moments are like, did you hide the bombs? Yes. I've hidden them. <laughs> right behind <laughs> you, stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to give it a low amber. A low amber? A dim amber. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going green all the way. Why? It's one of my Is top three. Is it just nostalgia? It's just, this sort of embodies a lot of the things that I think of as Doctor Who. You mm. know, like when you were saying a couple of episodes, might have been the last episode actually, where you said you're interested to like find out what my yeah. thing is. A lot of it is in this story. Right. And it tends to be sort of things from this kind of story that pop up in other ones that I enjoy. I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that you enjoy so much about this episode. I just love it. it. I just love the episode. I love the story. I love the Daleks. I love the acting. But we know none of it's that good. 
Exactly. <laughs> so is it no. just nostalgia and like appreciation for the era and this episode in particular? I think I just enjoy the stories. I think it's good storytelling. Okay. Disagree. Well, that's fine. But okay. Fuck off out of here. No, it's not bad storytelling. It's just no, yeah. wishy-washy. I th- no, I won't say it. No, I won't say it. Aquatic. Aquatic. <laughs> um, so that is it for the Planet of the Daleks, or Planet of the Daleks, and Oxygen. Shall we see what some other people think? Please. I, I'm quite looking forward to this one. If they say Oxygen's good, we're not reading their feedback again. Let's do a bit of feedback. <laughs> two bits of feedback this time um our first piece is from mark cockram from the all of time and space podcast and formerly of the blue box podcast with our guest jr used to be co-hosting on that mark has this to say planet of daleks is my least favorite fuck off mark what (laughs) sorry i can continue Planet of the Daleks is my least favourite Pertwee Daleks... Oh, least favourite Pertwee Daleks story. Okay. It's the Terry Nation equivalent of one of those 70s Top of the Pops albums. A greatest hits that comes off more like a poor cover version. All the classic elements are there. It's just that we've seen it all done so much better. (laughs) On a positive note, the restoration team did an incredible job of making it look pristine on the Blu-ray release. Well, I didn't get the yeah, Blu-ray Yeah, we wouldn't know release. that, would I we? I wouldn't know that because I didn't get the Blu-ray in time because I didn't pre-fucking-order. Ah, oh, well. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of people uh, think very similar to Mark on this story that it's not a very strong one. I'm the same. It's yeah. Not, it's not very strong. Well, you can be with Mark on that. I still appreciate Mark. I don't hate Mark. There's <laughs> nothing Mark's done. It's just uh, he's wrong. I'll sit quite comfortably, <laughs> comfortably with Mark. Um, and our oh, sorry. Our next bit of feedback is from Mister Day. Planet of the Daleks, maybe Terry Nation by numbers, but even so, it's still got plenty to love, and it has a real B movie vibe to it. AKA shit. Wow. He doesn't say that, but you AKA know what? I agree. B he has movie. got a, a very 50s sci-fi adventure B-movie Isn't that thing. old Doctor Who? That's classic well, Doctor Who. Maybe, but this more so, this sort of hangs together as sort of a... Uh, hangs. Hangs. <laughs> Drifting off the ceiling trying Ooh. to... <laughs> Come on then. Uh, he says this about Oxygen. I've seen it twice, but can't remember anything about it. <laughs> I've seen it three times, and I struggle to remember things about it. I'm yeah. exactly the same. It's it's fine. So uh, thanks for those two bits of feedback. Um, so I think all that is left now is for us to say what we're going to be doing next week. So next week, we're going to be going back to season one of Doctor Who, a William Hartnell. 
We're going to go for Season 1, Serial 3, The Edge of Destruction. Would you like a little synopsis? Aye. As they slowly recover from the shock of being thrown to the TARDIS floor, the Doctor, Susan, Ian and Barbara all start acting strangely. Unexplained events occur and the time travellers start to turn on each other as they contemplate what is happening on the TARDIS. Oh. It is a two-parter. Oh, lovely. Two 25-minute episodes. No! Yeah? Short, isn't it? Well, so it's sort of like a new Who length. Mm. So, yeah. Edge of destruction for me. What are you going to pick for our lovely listeners, Luke? I'm going Matt Smith. I'm going Matt Smith. I'm doing it. I'm committing. And I'm going to choose the episode that I compared Oxygen to. I'm going to go with... A two-parter, it's The Rebel Flesh and The Almost People nice. of Series 6. Um, would you like it? I'll say a synopsis. A solar tsunami liberates doppelgangers from their human originals. Nice. Very, very nice. And 6, The Almost People, the Doctor must convince terrified factory workers to trust their doppelgangers very nice too very nice too very very nice i i think this is good good quality doctor who this oh there you go it's a good ass story so we got the edge of destruction and the rebel flesh and the almost people that's episode five and six of series six of new six. <laughs> so if you've got any feedback for any of the either of those two episodes two stories um, all the information, as ever, is over the end theme. Now, we discovered something, didn't we? I lent you my Planet of the Daleks DVD. Mm. And... What What happened? Yeah. I, I went... I w- put it in. Yeah. Right. It's quite late. Um, so I I didn't have all my whereabouts. When, yeah, when you first told me about this, I just assumed you were asleep. Mm, like, I thought it was a dream. Yeah. I thought it was a dream, but... We found it again the yeah. next morning. Um, We've wavved it and ripped it. Yeah, but but what had happened is that I put the DVD in, right, to the player, and I didn't know where the remote was. I was looking for it, looking for it, and I heard the woman say, yeah. you know, she always says, to select audio navigation, navigation press, press enter, enter now. <laughs> God, every single... It takes like five minutes to boot up a disc. <laughs> Come on! Why? Oh, it's horrible. Um, I like it as well when when you put in a a weird box set of Doctor Who. Mm. It's like they recorded it on two different occasions. So she she has two different voices: it's one d- yeah. where she's paid to do Depressed. it, and the other one where she's really Wants miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so I was looking for the remote, and I sat down. So I don't want to press enter. I don't need audio navigation. I don't know what I pressed. But it went to this menu I've never seen before. It was weird. It was. I, I was sent you the video, didn't I? When I started yeah. seeing stuff was weird. Um, but what happened after that? Well, <sighs> well, I didn't believe you at first. And then you brought the DVD around and you said, have you seen what's, like, I suppose you could say Easter egg, couldn't you? But I don't even think it was intentional. I don't. I think I've it's a do... sick joke that someone who compiled the data on the desk did. Well, you'd say, you say that, but I've done a bit of digging, mm. and I found out that this 
the Planet of the Daleks was supposed to be a musical. Really? Yeah, isn't it weird? Yeah. And this is the only surviving track that of the musical. Like, this is the only track they recorded before they said, hang on, this is a bad Why idea. has no one else talked about this? I just don't think anybody's found it out. Even the people who worked on it? Well, I just think it's sort of hush-hush, isn't it? Yeah. A bit, you know. Can't say anything. Yeah, money back pocket. So, yeah. From yeah, from what I gather, from what I've sort of found, Planet of the Daleks was supposed to be a musical episode as like a special because it is the special yeah, season ten anniversary, you know, yeah. anniversary. So, in this musical episode, there was going to be obviously songs, and one of the songs that is at the sort of end of the story. It's hard to sort of place where it was because there's not a lot of documentation to go on. But one of the songs was basically about Wester, mm. and his, his well, it was his like story, wasn't it? His uh, yeah, journey. really. He was supposed to be a massive character in the musical. Yeah, like the well, main character, as in the sort of Joseph of the Technical Dream. Yeah, but um, I tell you what, why don't we just why don't we sign off and we'll let the listeners hear what we found. Okay. Yeah. So. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I've been Harry. I've been Luke. And this is Wester's purple cloak. Coat. Of note. Wester and his purple fleece, it's a lovely fleece, it'll never crease. Wester and his purple coat, it's a purple coat of Went in a ship, it went half like a tip It was full of shit where the fowls left their kit He tried all the handles, he tried all the doors It was clear there was no one indoors Wester and his purple fleece It's a lovely fleece, it'll never crease Wester and his purple coat It's a purple coat of note found a young maiden, her name was Jo She had shite on her hand, it was starting to grow He mixed up some chocolate and slushed it around And lay her to rest on her ground Wester and his purple fleece It's a lovely fleece, it'll never crease Wester and his purple coat It's a purple coat of They needed a way to get into the city It was going to be tricky without looking shifty Joe hid in a box with some leaves and some rocks Oh Joe, you cunning little fox Wester and his purple fleece It's a lovely fleece, it'll never crease Wester and his purple coat It's a purple coat of no Bob. He huffed and he puffed and what 
up poor Wester's dead, stone cold on the ground. The Daleks are there, rolling around. His complexion, ghastly, ghostly and ill and nasty. Looks like he could do with an old Cornish pasty. And an old fleece of easy love. Wester and his purple fleece, it's a lovely fleece, it'll never crease. Wester and his purple coat, it's a purple coat of note. Wester and his purple fleece, it's a lovely fleece, it'll never Send us your feedback and comments by contacting us on Twitter at whocanconvince, email us at whocanconvinceyou at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook at Doctor Who Who Can Convince You Podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on your podcast platform to help people find us.